Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Are bestsellers all they're hyped up to be? The Terrible Book Club explores whether or not you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. If you've ever seen a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. I'm Chris, and this is Paris. Hello. And this time, we read Maradonia and the Seven Bridges by Gloria Tesh, a uh, a self-published work, which uh, we've done self-published works before, notably Wild Animus. Yeah. One of our favorites. <laughs> Though, admittedly, that was accidental. We didn't know that was Vanity Published till afterward. True. Um, this... We try to stay away from vanity published stuff, but um, this was just too good to pass up, guys. Honestly, I think we should dive into that realm a little bit more because if we get gems like this one, <laughs> yeah. it's probably worth more people's time than like a book that they you know has been popular and reviewed by a lot of people. Because the interesting thing about this book is that it's sort of infamously bad, although there's not a lot of material discussing it there's quite a few pages that go into some detail about a lot of the stuff surrounding the book right but they don't necessarily get into the content of the book itself yeah so i think that's the difference between the show today and all the other reviews concerning more of the author of the book and her and her family's marketing techniques we're gonna try really hard to just focus on the book and its content and its awfulness and not slander the author or her um family. Well, well but we have to get into we have to talk about some it, of the but... surrounding circumstances yeah, although yeah. i wouldn't call anything we're doing slander no, 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 because no, no, no. i, I believe so. slander has to be false for it to be slanderous yes and also it has to you know you have to sort of Pursue it aggressively. I think. Yeah, we're um, you know we're just two people in a room talking about books that we've read. No, I know. I just I just wanted to make a point that obviously we need to talk about the heinous bullshit that's surrounding this, but it's going to be brief in comparison to the actual book. Yeah. Well, we hope so. Yeah. We, we never uh, know how these episodes go out. We come in with a plan. We come out with something else entirely. Yeah, a lot of the time. <laughs> that's very true. Anyway, um, so. First off, we should establish that this book was written when the author was young. Very young. About 13? Well... She may have started work on it earlier. Yeah, so basically it was written from the time she was 10 until she was 13, I think is kind of... Something like that. Yeah. It it varies depending upon which account you read. It's kind of weird how the years change. Gloria claims to be the world's youngest novelist. Which she isn't. Which is patently false. It's, I mean, it's just no, it's just demonstrably false. Yeah, it's pretty weird. There's, I mean, there's the, like the four year old girl that dictated her first book. There's six year olds that have written books. Eight. 
Alexander Pope, who wrote that poem that I read to you earlier in the day, Ode on Solitude, which was kind of nice, actually. Yeah, I mean, that was when he was 13. Oh, but... uh, that Chinese, I think, lady that wrote Sword Bird. Oh, yeah. How old ro- was she, six? Uh, no, she was like 11 or something. Oh, okay. But still, I mean, there there are plenty of children the world over that have written and been published by but, proper publishing like houses. Like a company that took their manuscript after they sent it to them or what have yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. And, so I mean, so here's another discussion that we should get into shortly before we get into the marketing techniques around uh, Gloria and her her work. Uh, is that child authors are kind? They're judged slightly differently sometimes. Yeah. And should you judge younger authors that complete a work differently than more experienced or? seasoned writers or i mean they're all still first-time writers you know even if you're older you're still a first-time writer but maybe you have yeah I mean, more I education think, behind you or just right. plain worldliness and experience i mean i think that the main thing to keep in mind here is sort of the context in which the work is put into the world so like if you're a five-year-old and you get a book published and it's just kind of like hey you know, my kid did this thing and this publishing house happened to pick it up. Great. Fine. But then if you are, you know, say a 10 year old and you're writing this book and your parents vanity publish it um, and then proceed to sort of curate this fantasy world of celebrity around the child and basically tell them that they're the best thing in the world and that they have all these fans, but really they're not. That's a different thing. You know, if it's if it's displayed as like, hey, my kid did this thing. Okay, cool, whatever, move on, fine. Yeah, this is presented as like a, the next step in fantasy literature. This yeah, she child thinks she's the next Tolkien or something. Has written something that is so different and unique and amazing that there's like a fan, not a fan, a video on Gloria has a YouTube channel that she posts some things to. Yeah. And one of them posted a while ago, like years and years ago, was of like this fake – looks fake. It definitely – I mean, who knows? Yeah, it's, but a, it's a fake thing. It, I mean. It's like a talk show where they're like – or a news show, some kind of mix between the two where they're covering her books or flying off of store shelves and people are rushing in to get autographs and they get – her name signed on their forehead. Yeah, I mean, I or think something. that I'm not sure if it was intended as, to be satirical initially. I don't think so because the rest of the marketing around this book is the same thing, where she is like supposed to be such a genius prodigy, and this work yeah. is supposed to be so good that people literally like. There's like a book shop owner person in this video that's like we can't keep them off the shelves though you know and then another person that's explaining like oh you know when publishers they only print a limited run of stuff so they're you know you only have a limited amount of books to grab before they're all out and it's like dude or whoever wrote this fucking video or whatever if a publishing company publishes a book and they run out of copies because they've sold them all they're going to print more copies of that book to sell more for more money that's not how it works unless you did a vanity publishing thing (laughs) and you don't want to throw any more money at it because you didn't actually sell any more books so you don't have the money to seed your next print run right so yeah i mean whether or not the video was intended to be mildly funny or was supposed to be made to trick people into thinking the book was popular we're not sure um but but I, all I of the marketing around this book is in that vein. Yeah, I mean, for example, there's actually a photo. Uh, there's a photo where um, one of her parents, I'm assuming her dad, not really sure, staged, um, you know, Gloria. He and Gloria went to a bookstore. 
they removed the the number one, two, and three best-selling books off the shelf, put her books in their place, and then took a picture of it and claimed that her books were actually the number one, two, and three best-selling books at the time. I don't think you can take the top three spots yeah. at the same time. You you all just get lumped into the one spot well, that you're in. Uh, well, not to mention – well, no, I think I think you can. I think George R. R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire well, had occupied several books. Because he had multiple books. She yeah. put up the one book. No, 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 it was different books. Oh, really? Okay. But anyway, it was like in a Borders or something. You know, I mean, I, I don't really know how you can go and do something like that and still believe the fantasy. Like, you're obviously physically uh, well, moving Well, we don't books. know how much she believes the fantasy here. Yeah, we, We're true. not in, in touch with Gloria, although she does have a Twitter, and we now have Twitter. Yeah. So maybe... Oh, I followed her on Twitter. Yeah, you know. I don't think she'll ever hear this. Let, let's but, not you know. touch the poop, maybe. <laughs> but... But, okay, so here's the thing. So... For me, I feel kind of bad for this girl, even though she's fabulously wealthy and can do whatever she wants. I feel bad for her because I think that her parents have sort of molded her brain into this horrifying thing that can't think for itself and that doesn't understand reality. It's just sad. Well, the, the question that I wanted to pose to you here is like when you're encouraging creative children or children that are doing pursuing creative mm-hmm. endeavors, you have to sort of ride this fine line because I think you should always praise creative effort or effort in general. When I, I mean, I don't have any kids. I'm not going to have any kids. No, so, but you teach kids. So, so. Yeah, yeah, but what do I know about like raising a child? But at the same time, you have to praise the effort. Yeah. At the very least, if if they sit down and write something out, praise the effort in the in their work ethic, even. But then you kind of have to come around to also being truthful and teaching them how to accept self criticism and not but any criticism, not just self criticism, but to be able to self criticize, sort of. Find out what you're weak at and not just break down about it or ignore it and decide like, no, these people just hate me or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I Be think- able to take the – what figure out what criticism is valid, how it could help you um, and improve upon that. Like for me, side example that uh, one of my bands, Graveborn, it gets posted around the internet sometimes and it's been met with some criticism. Uh, the no, the most one that I see a lot is that it tends to sound a little sloppy at some points because, you know, a lot of metal bands, they edit some stuff to death in the studio. I did some of that. I didn't do a lot of it. And I'm kind of a sloppy guitar player in general, I feel like. So <laughs> they're valid criticisms. And there were actually other people defending me in YouTube comments and saying, well, I don't know where you're standing as sloppy. It's like, yeah, but I can understand why some people would think that, especially if they're used to listening to tech metal, which is, yeah. you know. Hyper edited to death. Some yeah. of it, and you know, uh, but more precise than probably how I'm playing, yeah. and it probably has something you know, it had something to do with the tempos that I decided to record at. But I've become conscious of that this time, and I'm making an effort to work more with metronomes before I go into the studio for our next album. Yeah, and that's a totally reasonable approach to criticism. You know, you didn't immediately freak out, block those people, disable content comments on the YouTube video. Which no, is, they're they're welcome is, to, yeah, which is what this person, uh, which is what Gloria Tesh's family, I guess, has done. They um they try to silence any dissent. Um, they've actually sent what is it M M D M C DMCA DMCA. Thank you. I can never remember the acronym. I'm sorry. They've sent DMCA notices to ev- almost everyone who has criticized the book in a public forum, citing that they were 
using copyrighted material, but like you can totally talk about copyrighted shit if you're criticizing it. That's I, not. I think they just want to be legal bullies and yeah. like just throw their lawyery weight around. Yeah, because, because they're fabulously wealthy. Of course they can. And I, I doubt that we'll get hit with any sort of takedown notice or something because we're not using any of her material. We're not. We're not. We might read some passages aloud. But yeah, but we know it's hers. There. I mean, we're not we're not citing. We're that's not profiting our work. off of this endeavor. No. We're not trying to like provide false info about her. No, of course not. And I mean, I think the thing to note is that, like I was saying, I kind of feel bad because I I think that she just doesn't have a grasp on reality due to the way that she was raised. If she could learn how to self criticize and self and improve yeah. herself, maybe. She could be somewhere because she does have some kind of a work ethic yeah. oh, to produce and, seven books. Oh, and to put this into perspective, sorry. So when, when the first book came out, she was about 13. She's now 21, yeah. I believe. Yeah. So she's an, she's an adult now. But, um, so, but she's still presenting yeah. this material as, as though it, it's it, like it's, you know, God's gift to literature coming. Yeah. or whatever. So that's kind of why we took this on. I, when I first learned, oh, she wrote it when she was 13. I was like, eh, I don't know. I yeah, don't wanna, yeah. Like, I felt the same way. She, but because then... a child wrote it. But then I figured I found out that she's still promoting it like this and that there are other young authors that I that I took looked at snippets from that were far above the material in yeah. this in this thing. I mean and she's also a um Gloria Tesh, the author of this book, she also dabbles in modeling and music and filming um, filming. filming which They're is actually we they actually into. just wrapped up Supposedly a mo- uh, Supposedly they just wrapped up the first movie. For this book that we read. I, I um, kind of really want yeah, to see Yeah, there are this. trailers online. Please go watch them. Yeah. they are horrifying. Please go um, watch them. I, I mean, I guess if it's something really low budget, fine. But it's just bad. It's not even low budget. Like, Clerks was low budget. And that yeah. was great. Like, this is low budget and not good. Even the trailers themselves are... Yeah. Yeah, it's a Barrels time. of laughs. Yep. I mean, it's hilarious. But then you also have to think about how sad it is that... Hundreds of thousands of dollars are being dumped into this endeavor for not. Well, you know? some actors got paid. Some directors hey, made a living yeah. off of this wealthy family, right? Yeah, so support support your I, local artists. I right? get or <laughs> local artists that are willing to stoop this low. Yeah, which, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that part. Yeah, but, but um, and you know, she honestly. Chris and I had a small discussion about her before this, and we were like, you know what? Why don't you just stick to modeling? Because she's a lovely model. She models. She looks all right. You know, that's fine. Do that. She like, would clearly, make a wonderful just modeling. Yeah, her. clearly, like that's where your talent lies. I mean, I know that might sound kind of awful, but like you're realistically, only good for your looks. Or whatever, I know, but, but realistically, the work that she's produced stemming from her mind is garbage. So, I mean, that's kind of all she has to work with, right? I, yeah, so, yeah, maybe. I, I know that sounds really harsh, but like it is the truth. It I'm is. So like, sorry. I I think maybe we should start backing this up yeah. a little bit by getting into the actual book because we've been talking for 14 minutes about and we nothing. haven't gotten into any of the actual All right guys, so let's talk about the what we can garner is the plot from reading this. Yeah, there's okay, this is less of a plot and more <laughs> of like a series of loosely connected events. <laughs> happening one after the yeah, other. Yeah, that's kind of good. So it opens with like a weird prologue thing where a teacher is telling his class. Yeah, there's like a professor that like wakes up for work and goes to his class and starts telling Well, he's them, a professor but at an elementary school, so that's An confusing. elementary school professor. Yes. Uh, I mean, I guess you could be, right? Like you could have worked as a professor before and then teach at an elementary school, but I don't think you retain the title 
of professor. Yeah, I think that's a little weird. Or anyway. if you did, I would feel like you were a little bit pompous. <laughs> like, I am you, professor of the kindergarten. You, at you this make student. the kids call you professor or yes, mister. Like, that's just, great. They're going to call you mister. Dude. Anyway. So, you know, it opens with this sort of you know, uh, in media res thing yeah. where it, he is telling this story to a group of children for some reason. Yeah, he goes into class to work that day, and the kids are like, I don't know why he starts, I forget why. Someone kid asks a question, and then he answers them, and he's like, oh, well, you need to understand the story behind this. And I think in their world, like, it's supposed to be real? Like, everyone's supposed to know about? I don't think so. No, I don't know. I don't know. Because this is never brought up again, at, like the end of the book with the professor going like, and the next time we'll talk about yeah. the next thing. But weirdly enough, we, we uh, peeked into some of the later books and it seems like every book opens with the exact same prologue. Yes. The, which like is the bizarre. Exact, it's like some weird Groundhog Day thing, except the story <laughs> that he tells is oh different. Oh my fucking God. Every time. Imagine if you woke up every day to listen to Maradonia, you would lose your fucking mind. Yeah, I don't get like it's like the pro. It's not even the prologue because there's prologues in each book too. Yeah, so it's so the this is sort of like the, like the the book ending. I don't know. In media res thing, I keep using that that phrase around it, in but the it's the things, it's the yeah. same thing at the start of every yeah, it's, book. It's like I'm not. It's literally the same several pages yeah, word it, the, for unedited, word. unchanged. Yeah. Which is strange. I don't know. Although uh, none of this book was edited ever. No. She cl- they are... claim to have been through some yeah. editors or whatever. I don't know how. But if these people were editors, they need to find another field yeah, to because... work in because nothing was edited. Even at the first, at the start of this, in this little like classroom scene at the start, we already have atrocious grammar. Yeah. Har- like spelling that sometimes dropped. Unnecessary commas and apostrophes. Quote marks that are out of place. Everything's that italicized be there. for no reason. Sudden dialogue when it was like a descriptive thing. And Surprise! It into dialogue! Di- yeah, all of a sudden it's, it's someone talking <laughs> instead of like the narrator talking. Oh. Like you're just supposed to realize that all of a sudden it's switched into the professor or a child speaking or something like yeah. that. Um, I mean, and I'm sure we're all, you know, if you guys have listened to this, these episodes before, you've heard me lose my mind over grammatical and spelling errors and syntax shit. This book broke my brain. I mean, it's like the king of there all was no linguistic errors. There, there was no editing, no, no rewriting. No. If there was, then what did you change <laughs> from the at the start? Yeah, I mean, in fact, I would I would go so far as to say you can't really get more than a few sentences before there's a mistake. In some places in the book, there's an error in every single sentence. I mean, it, it, it's just... I, I wouldn't even believe this existed if I hadn't there read it There was myself. an Amazon review of this that <laughs> described it as dripping with ineptitude from every sentence, yes. which is extremely Oh, I valid. also like the one that there is another Amazon review that referred to it as... Um, linguistic carnage, which yeah. I think is appropriate. It's an absolute metal. holocaust uh, of, yeah. <laughs> of reading. Yeah. It reads like it was written... By, like, an English-as-a-second-language creative writing student. Yeah, who was also, like, eight years old at the time. And Gloria is doesn't seem to, like, she was raised in a different country no. or speaks any language other than English. Although there's some, like, little Germanic stuff in here, so maybe she's yeah, part German. Yeah, and I think her and... mom, her mom's Russian, um, and so she has a Rus- Russian and German background. But she was brought up in the United States with English as 
her I'm assuming language, educated it seems. here. Yeah, yeah. She claim, like on on her website and her Twitter, like the first thing before even author model or whatever is valedictorian. Yeah, she doesn't so, say of where or of what. She says it was in the year 2012. So supposedly she was a valedictorian of her high school. Well, why is that? For, no, because 2012 she would have graduated from. No, wait, no, because she's no, 21 that's high now. School. So yeah, she's that's her valedictorian. Like, who cares about that? Why would you put that up front? And what high school, unless you were homeschooled or something, yeah, I don't think she was. Yeah, we're not sure. I mean, I'd have to do some serious internet sleuthing to find out. But I don't really understand how this girl could be a valedictorian unless she bought her grades like she buys all of her fame. I mean, who knows, you know? I, yeah, like I, there's no way that this lady wrote top quality papers even no. for a high school student. No. Unless the English teachers were really lax. Or she had enough fantastic grades in math instead and, like, her yeah. other subjects. They're like, I, if she was a valedictorian of her class, either it was the smallest class or the worst class. Yeah, it's it's pretty weird. And especially I, I suppose, since she doesn't say of where, yeah, I kind of don't believe it. Yeah. I mean, seeing as, you know, her and her family have definitely made false claims before, like, about her being the youngest author and, and all that stuff. I They're mean, certainly would, not about fabrication. It, yeah, I wouldn't put it past them. So um, back to the plot here. Yep. Um, this professor starts reading a story to the children in his in his classroom, and he like tries to set up some backstory. I think before he even gets into the whole actual plot of this yeah. book or whatever, and he starts talking about like light kings and some monsters and a thing, but it has barely any relevance to the rest of the story. No, it does. He tells the story of the downfall of Apollyon. It's basically just the downfall of Satan, guys. If you're familiar yeah, with Christian mythology, yeah, there's a light theology, king and an underworld king, but they're sorry. like they have like Greek god names instead. Yeah, there's a lot of just ham-fisted taking from Greek mythology and applying their names. Yeah. Oh, to- actually, I w- I'll bring this up now. So, the two main evil dudes are Abaddon and Apollyon, and obviously, all I could think of was the dude from Venom and the dude from Aura Noir, who was also an immortal. So, like, those guys are just dancing around in my I mean, head throughout know, the book, which black is great. Metal and folk metal tends to take stuff from mythology. Oh, I know. I'm just saying, like, it Maybe was kind of nice. Maybe not quite as haphazardly, but honestly, you have to admit that a lot of the time they're just picking something they thought sounded cool. Yeah, no, I know. I totally agree with that, but it was kind of nice to think about, like, the old drummer, like, the drummer from Venom and the dude from Ardoir, like, in the book. Well, there's, I don't know, there's, two, there's two random characters later in this book that are fishermen, and their names are <laughs> Keegan and Mansoor. So I thought of Keegan-Michael Key from Key and Peele and Misha Mansoor from Periphery just <laughs> happening to be drunk jungle fishermen or something by the way they're fishermen in a jungle are you yeah. fishing for swamp fish yeah it's probably not that good yeah there's that's like another like problem dog fish or that's something an, yeah three-eyed it's fucking blinky from the simpsons yeah um, yeah no that's another thing with this book is that landscape you know time scale time geography scale. Yeah, all whatever. are senseless and and like <laughs> there's no uh, rhyme or reason to any of it no there's no rhyme or reason to how characters act no. There's contradictions in what happened before and later on. Yep. So let's try to. Uh, we keep getting sidetracked here. I'm trying to move <laughs> Sorry, into guys. the fucking plot yeah, that right. doesn't exist. So all, all right, right, this dude starts talking about uh, the downfall of Apollyon. Who? Okay, just just if you guys are familiar with Christian mythology, the downfall of Satan. You know, does something to piss off God, gets cast down from the heavenly realm, starts his 
own sort of deal down below on well in this in the story it's technically on earth i guess he, he lives in a glacier palace at the top of a mountain yep that's made entirely out of ice which sounds like kind of you know might be have a little trouble walking around there <laughs> just like a video game ice level your whole life <laughs> hopefully there's no like platform suspended in midair yeah, that people be, have to jump on because that shit rough is times. tough rough times yeah and uh he lives in the la- he rules over the land of terra milli which makes me think of like a Little Wayne song because he had a song called Amelie. Which so he, I just imagine a Pollyon up there going Amelie, Amelie. Oh God! <laughs> oh. Um, yeah. So, anyways, so he's telling the kids this, and then they get into. Um, I-, I can't tell if he's still telling the story or if it goes to present it, it's, time. He, he, at some point, he starts like. To, but anyway, uh, I want to give you an example. Here's a thing that <laughs> King. Actually, no, this is later on when. The two main characters jump in. So let's keep going into the main Okay, story. yeah. So anyway, so eventually he's like, hey, you know, when the two kids we're, show no, up. Yeah, we, we're not even there yet. That's the oh. thing. Like they – oh, wait, no, because they've sent spies over to the real world or something. What? Like he, <laughs> they have like bir- – there's a lot of bird spying. Yeah, there's in this, a lot of bird the, spies. So he has ravens, which are the evil birds because yeah. they're black. And, of course. And he sends them out and like they – there's a prophecy of some kind. Oh, yeah. That everyone is aware of that, about like two children or something coming from somewhere else. Coming to, from another land to fuck his shit up basically. All right. So like he's basically freaking out about children at all. Yeah. So like what – I don't – did he send the bird spies over and, like, he could somehow tell before they came over? This is why I think we're getting this a little bit confused because yeah. – the, but the, the timeline in this is so crazy. But here's a little passage that he, he says to his uh, – I think his bird spies and his son Abaddon. Yeah. King Apollyon is like, fact is, two children have arrived. Well, we certainly have to consider these human intruders a tremendous threat to our empire. Whoever they might be, they must be eliminated. We must kill these human intruders immediately before they harm us. So, like, just any two human children? He didn't seem... Like, there wasn't anything yeah, special didn't yet. To, yeah, they didn't seem to know specifically who they were or... But they're not killing any children in the, the land over there or, Well, like, no, because ki- because the prophecy was about kids coming from a different dimension or whatever. This is why I think they must have come over already by now yeah. or something. Yeah. But anyway, so there's this prophecy saying, like, these two kids are going to come from another dimension and basically, you know, take down Apollyon, who is essentially Satan. Um, so the kids no, show No, yeah, up. this is even before because this is in the middle of the classroom thing that he's talking about King Apollyon giving Yeah, so the, the timeline doesn't make any goddamn sense. It's so fine. how does he know about these two children? Like, does this later I think, on? I th- yeah, I think that piece of the story is actually from later on in the timeline, but for some reason it's... In the forward, I don't, yeah, fuck it. It doesn't make sense. I'm not going to try to explain There's it. a lot of stuff in here that's kind of hilarious. Like oh, yeah. Like, when, um, okay, so there's two hood men that are brought up in this thing, and hood men is not they're like, like assassin guards. Yeah, they're not something. like street toughs from, yeah. like, inner Baltimore or whatever, which is what I would have thought they yeah. were. But anyway, so when, they don't name them yet, and at one point, King Apollyon says this, Cabaldo! I know, I know she is protected by my arch enemy, the Light King. So when he first said Cabaldo, I thought it was some kind of curse or something. But it turns out that's one of the names of the Hoodmen. But he just yells like Cabaldo! Like, God damn it, Cabaldo! I forgot about Cabaldo! It's Cabaldo and Casimir. Yeah. Or whatever. And then Casimir, like, they get in an argument or something. God, I'm already crying. uh, Jesus. uh, Because, like, 
Apollyon gets a little pissed at them and they're trying to like assign blame to each other. Yeah, yeah. And that's right. the other one, Cabaldo, turns to the other one, Casimir, and says, You doosel? Oh yeah. And then the other one goes, I am not a doosel. D-O-U-S-S-E-L. And then they never tell us what I that don't know what a doosel is. It's never brought up again. It's not like this thing has no. any more fantasy words that they bring up yeah. because it's just They don't explain They what don't that have is. another language. Nope. They but never I am not a doosel. Yeah. Um, anyway, moving on. Oh, wait, wait, here's another great line. <laughs> Have you it. never heard of the code of the hoodmen? There is always the right moment for stealing, Apollyon answered angrily. Casimir stepped frustrated back oh, and asked with a melancholic voice, why are you so angry with me? That stepped frustrated back is get ready for that. That's just one little snippet of like awkward word choice and 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 incorrect syntax or just weird syntax. Um, Anyway, earlier in the goddamn it, Chris, there's there's like a witch named Gertrude. She's like, Um, I am Gertrude, uh, imposing fairy witch, which is a hilarious. Yeah, somehow that name doesn't instill fear in me. The king was pretty good informed (laughs) by his border (laughs) patrol and the hoodmen. Pretty good informed. Yeah, pretty good. How about pretty well informed? How about the king was well informed? No, he's pretty good informed. I'm pretty good informed about these kinds of things. Uh, All right, Chris, stop. You're just going to read every other sentence. It starts with like the aphorisms that are in italics all the time. Everything is in italics here. Like, have you ever played a Zelda game like on N64 or something? And there's like random bits of blue and red text that are highlighted for like the important things you should. Yeah, look yeah, at. yeah, it's kind of like you're reading Zelda dialogue, but nothing. But they important. italicize random bullshit. Yeah, it's almost like if I was saying the fruit sat in the bowl, it would randomly highlight the bowl. The is bowl like capitalized and italicized. Yeah. And there's weird like aphorisms that are thrown out here that are italicized when people say shit that's supposed to be, I guess, especially deep. Like a K- King Apollyon says, "The failure to prepare is the preparation to fail." Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, sure. And Fucking deep, bro. Yeah. And there's all these like, oh my, the success. Su- su- I can't talk. The success successor one is pretty funny. Um, I think it's like you can only succeed if you have chosen a successor to success, or I don't know. Okay. Something. How about? I'm sorry. I'm just gonna keep reading. I'm like, this is gonna turn into me reading passages <laughs> because you can't really get the full flavor of this book. How about this one? When electric shockwaves, ponderous thunder, and blinding lightnings, possessive, yep. inflated the hall. Yes, I have that actually in my what, notes. What, how does electricity inflate the hall? Is it a bouncy castle that he lives in? Does he <laughs> live in an ice bouncy castle at yeah. the top of a mountain that like static electricity inflates? A li- yeah, and whenever they bring up lightning, it's lightning. It's always possessive lightning, so lightning apostrophe s. I don't know why. Um, and then there's like, there's a sentence where it says, you know, and they avoided the occurrence of that. I'm on it. Avoided to the teacher avoided to see this occurrence. Avoided to see this occur. That's not how you would say that's that. That's not words. This, you see what I mean about English as a second language yeah. thing here? It has the flavor of someone who doesn't quite understand grammar or whatever, which even for a 10 to 13 year old, you should be able to talk and write correctly or at least go back and read it and be like oh what happened there because i've written stuff before when i read it back i was like what the hell was i trying to say yeah. here i like repeated a word twice or something okay i have some other great examples so uh there's a part where they're talking about the evil empire by the way yeah the the evil the, people it, are the, the evil, evil empire. empire and like, they're evil because they're just evil and you know why what because we want to be evil and they have competitions to be the most evil yeah it's really dumb so the evil empire, uh, they're having a meeting and 
King Apollyon is granting someone like the seat of honor next to him. But in the book, the author constantly refers to seating someone next to his chairmanship. Chairmanship is a position. She's referring to it as though it's the actual chair. You and, and I got into an not... argument about this because I hadn't read to that part yet. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, no, it means like, you know, you're seated at the right hand of the person in this position. Like, you're his go-to person. But then I read it, and no, they're talking about the actual to chair. the right of his chair. But she keeps saying chairmanship, so, and that doesn't make any sense. Oh. Oh, my, one of my favorites is frenzy silence. There was a frenzy silence. Yeah, there was a frenzy silence. What the fuck does that mean? I don't know. How can you have a frenzied silence? Alarna marched fast forward and pushed Maya rude aside. <laughs> what? Like. Okay, so let's get uh, into the plot plot. It goes to like the the real world, I guess we can say. And yeah. we're introduced to Maya and Joey Swanson, the two main characters in this book who are the flattest, most self-insert, uncharacterized anythings in any book I've ever read. Yeah. Maya and Maya is slightly older than Joey, I believe, and she's supposedly described as someone that's like I don't think she's described as anything. Yeah, it's <sighs> Joey is supposedly like kind of headstrong and brash and like a little bit egotistical or whatever. All right, Maya's character was different. Although she was beautiful and stood out of the crowd, she was a very shy person. That's it. Yeah, and and basically they yeah like Chris was saying they're very flat characters um again this is a book where people don't talk like humans the dialogue is really strange rigid um <clears throat> excuse me so basically this brother and sister um they have they moved to this new town called Oceanside which is in Florida which i mean spoiler the author lives in Florida so oh, yeah. no shit also, it, it's clearly based off of her and her brother. Yeah, and she and she stars in the movie as the main character, so it's a Mary Sue thing. Um, anyway, you know, they, they go to school, they have kind of a rough time. Somehow time flashes forward nine months or something, and it's the end of school, even though it was just September. And they go to this beach, they go into this cave, they touch a statue, they touch a mermaid statue, it causes a rift in the time-space continuum. That's later on. And Let's first talk about, into, like, they're in school... They're going yeah. to, there's a couple of chapters where they're in school. Like Maya gets into a fight with Alana, who pushed her rude aside earlier. Rude aside, yeah. And like she just starts wailing on this chick because I don't know she like put herself in front of her locker or something. Yeah. So the there's main... an illustration of it at the start of the chapter. Let's take a moment to describe the fact oh, that the there's, there's oh. drawings at the like the top of every chapter done by um, Gloria's mother. I'm assuming because yeah. her mother's an artist and has yeah. her own website, yeah, her and she kind of has her own problems with. There's yeah. some art in this, in like at the top at the top of these chapters. It's like one of a tree looking at it as if you're looking up at a tree from below. That looks okay. Yeah, if you were like twelve, it would be fine. There's there's a picture at the start of the chapter where the, there's a fight in the school where I'm assuming it's Maya and Alana having this fight in front of the yeah. lockers. It looks like I'm showing it to you right now. It yeah. looks like Maya is throwing a straight jab, while Alana, the bully, is throwing a left hook directly into a locker that's three feet yeah, in front it, it of where Maya is. Yeah, the art is terrible. Um, but they get into a fight. Yeah, Maya I, beats the shit out of this girl, like to the face where her her face, her to the point where her face is bloody. I don't know why this scene is included in the book. I don't know because it's not like Maya later on. 
Yeah, is like a warrior. Or like finds her inner rage in order to like be a better warrior. Or yeah, I don't know. I don't know why the scene is here at all. If anything, it just shows that she's a shitty person because she beats this girl pretty badly. And and then there are no consequences for it, yeah. by the way. Yeah, the, it's never brought up again for any reason whatsoever. Joey's not so great either because the next chapter is them going to a party at a friend's. Like, no, they're going to a party at a hotel. So apparently, yeah, it's a friend's birthday. Apparently, party. teenagers can rent out hotels and have the concierge like walk people up to their fancy. When they suite. approached the hotel entrance, the doorman asked, "Are you invited to the Jones party?" Maya was unsure and was about to say no when Joey quickly answered, "Of course, we are the guests of honor." Joey smirked at the thought, and the doorman just lets them in to this. Yeah hotel party for a teenager's birthday yeah what the fuck doesn't make any sense here's an example of of amazing dialogue because Derek jones one of joey's skateboard buddies by the way joey likes to flip his skateboard around totally sick and do kickflips yeah hey dude what's up Derek was dressed in blah 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 looking at maya Derek sent said and this is your sister maya i saw the fight it was beast man she has it she has what joey asked killer instinct bro which is capitalized. Okay. Killer instinct, huh? Yup, that's my sister, Joey boasted. Derek pulled out his cell phone and looked at it. Hey, let me show you that trick I was working on. Dude, you got it down. All right, so they start talking about yeah. their skateboard trick, and they run off. Then Maya goes to a pool that's outside, and Joey runs up behind her and shoves her into the pool And as she a whacks joke. her head on the, on the edge of the pool and is bleeding and is drowning and losing consciousness in the pool. Does her brother try to save her after he just did this? No. In fact, he says, ha, 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 ah, look at my sister. She beats up two chicks and now can't even help herself. What the fuck, dude? Yeah, and so, like... By the way, um, one of the doormen jumped into the water. He immediately pulled Maya out of the (laughs) pool and pressed the remaining water out of her lungs. Pretty sure you don't iron out That's a really weird description of CPR. I'm just going to flatten you out a little bit until all the water's gone. Yeah. The chest compressions aren't even a vital part of CPR. I, or yeah, I, Yes, they are. Anyway. I forget if it's like the breathing thing or the it's, chest. It's both of them in conjunction. But anyway. So, oh, you didn't disc- you didn't explain how the... <coughs> Sorry, guys. I'm real coffee today. Um, how the doorman found her. It was because the doves, the magical fucking interdimensional doves. Yeah, the white doves. That they fly into the hotel thing and they like fuck with the, the doorman until he... <coughs> knows to follow them and he's like these doves clearly they're following you for a reason you must be destined for something great yeah what dude what the fuck like sorry um yeah it's really weird and when maya's drowning she hears a voice calling to her like oh help us help us and she's like why the fuck is someone asking me to help them when i'm drowning which was kind of hilarious yeah (laughs) and a good help me um Anyway, then a couple days later, they go down to this cave, they touch a mermaid statue, they cause a rift in space and time, and end up in Maradonia. Yeah, like, I think some hood men were following, you should take a drink of water. Yeah, I don't, I'm Jeez. sorry, I don't know why I'm coughing so much. That's why you should always have water on hand when we're recording or whatever. <laughs> it gets real hacky. Take this, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, it's a little sugary, that drink. Oh, so, but yeah, you just need to lube up the, the vocal cords a little bit. I'm going to take over here. And so, yeah, they find a mermaid statue in a cave, and they move it. I think they physically move it. Yeah, Joey picks it up because he's like, oh, sweet treasure. I'm going to take this. Like, if it's a fucking statue, dude, like, you're 14? How can you pick up a rock statue? I don't know. It's it's big as them, I'm pretty sure. No, it wasn't that big. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know. Still, it's probably pretty heavy. Anyway. 
and they come out of the cave on the other end after the hood men were like following them around. By the way, this is the last you see of the fucking hood men. Yeah. They just disappear after this. Maybe they got left behind in the fucking real world, even yeah. though they could cross over at the start. So what's the problem? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. So they end up in this new Maradonia. world. And they run into a grasshopper dwarf. Uh, Yep, and then an elf frog or something. That's and later then... on. The first, the grasshopper dwarf is like, oh, yeah, no, welcome to the land of Maradonia, where you fucking... It, it's magical and there's talking animals or whatever. Yeah, so it's pretty dumb because everyone they encounter is, like, helpful to them except for one character at the beginning and even then... Also, the the, the grasshopper dwarf, he's a shape-shifting dwarf. There's never another dwarf in this story or an elf frog. No, there's there one are the dwarf... magical dwarves that disappear in and out of existence. Oh, yeah, the no, they're Empire. later on, but I guess but there's also not... There's not a lot of them. Anyway, the dwarf tells him this. Well, it never gets dark in our land. It gets only dim during the night, and you will also not get really hungry or extremely tired, the dwarf explained. Hmm, that makes a lot of sense to me, said Joey. Why the fuck did you just accept that shit? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you be He's like, just like oh, all right, I guess that's fine. I mean, whatever, bro, whatever you say. Yeah, it's pretty weird, and like... So, again, they keep encountering characters that are helping There's them. There's, like, an whatever. elf frog or something named yeah. Oraculus. Yep. By the way, the grasshopper dwarf was named Hoppy, which is kind of... Yeah, which is kind of funny. And, th- like, here's another thing where, like, <laughs> somewhere in the middle... I'm just reading through my Kindle notes here, which are kind of haphazard and yeah. random. But at some point, th- he's, like, looking for a wooden stick, but could only find branches. <laughs> so what's the problem? <laughs> Were you looking for, like, a fully hewn, <laughs> carved stick oh, instead God. of branches? And can't you, like, take a branch and make an appropriately sized stick? Or yeah. what's the problem? Uh, yeah, I don't know. And then they it, they constantly reference people and place names and stuff that you have no Later reference Later on, like, for. they're, like, going through the thing and they're like, Joey is like, oh, this dungeon over here. I'm like... What fucking dungeon? What fucking dungeon, They don't yeah. even go into the dungeon later. Yeah, like somehow... They're walking across some rocks or something, and Joey's like, oh yeah, like, we, we can't go into this dungeon li- until later. Yeah, yeah, they're like, oh, Prince Abaddon, the son of Apollyon, is in this dungeon, and you're just like, A, how do you know that? B, what fucking dungeon? Like, I don't... It's just real weird. Okay, at some point, <laughs> this eagle shows up. To oh, try the red ass eye eagle, Sa- yeah. Sagita, Sagita, Sagita? Vegeta, <laughs> looking for Kakarot. Sagita, um, Sa- I'm gonna call him Sagita, Sagita, or whatever. I don't know. I don't He's care. this eagle that apparently is like covered with eyes all over his wings and body, yeah. which is some bloodborne shit right there. Yeah, this it predates sure bloodborne, so maybe they stole their idea from Maradonia. No. Anyway, he no. like lets Maya and Joey onto him. If you're covered with eyeballs. Wouldn't you be, like, super sensitive to people just, like, sitting on your eye wings? Yeah. <laughs> just, like, they're cl- grabbing onto his eyeballs as yeah. they're flying. It's like, ow, fucking ow. Just imagine <laughs> someone poking you in your hundredth eyeball constantly <laughs> as you're flying around. That's By the hilarious. way, then this eagle starts talking about, like, oh, you're obviously the prophesized two children. Of course you whatever. are. You have to go through these seven tests yep. or whatever. But he's not, like, you have to go over this river. I'm not going to just fly you over this river. For whatever yeah, reason, they, they have to do he, all these tests. He themselves. accepts that they're prophecy or whatever, but they still have to go through tests. Yeah. And one of them, okay, so er, like they encounter a snake, and yep. 
Joey is talking to the snake and and they like the snake is just like, oh, I'm not going to tell you right away immediately. So Joey cuts off the snake's fucking head. Oh, yeah. OK, so hang on. I'm going to talk about this. So. So, yeah, so that's not the they encounter a different snake called Arabella, who's like an evil snake, the part of the evil empire. But then later, spy snake. yeah, she's but, spy snake. before the spy snake, he encounters this other one. No, it's after it's before whatever. Whenever it is, it doesn't matter because time is irrelevant in this fucking book. Very much. So is. Uh, they encounter this snake in the jungle. And it's this big snake, and they're like... We're they 42 to- minutes in, and we haven't even <laughs> begun. <laughs> oh, my God. This is going to be like a three-hour episode. I'm sorry, everyone. Yeah. Anyway, the snake is in their way in the jungle, and they try to talk to... He talks to it for two seconds, and is like, yo, can you move out of the way so we can get by? And the snake's like, no. And he goes, fine. Cuts its head off and keeps the snake's head. A couple chapters later, Joey is talking about how... Um, you know, a real leader solves problems without resorting to violence. You know, talks about how it's wise to resolve conflicts peacefully. And it's like, you just murdered that snake a few hours before. Like, you did Maybe not resolve hours. that. I'm not sure yeah, what days, time and days are like Not over here. that long ago. There's lots of contradictions yeah. like that in the book. Uh, but, like, the, 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 as soon as they arrive in Maradonia, they're getting all this help from these me- mythical creatures that are like, oh, no, you're the prophesized two children. In fact, they call them the Encouragers. The Encouragers! Which is a hilarious name oh, for, God. like, you know, prophesied. Yeah. Like, we're just going to encourage you really good. And, and so they start having to go through tests that the eagle tells them about. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, you have to go through the seven tests the snake thing was apparently the decision tests. I'm not quite yeah. clear what all the other tests are yeah, in this they book. Because really they kind of drop it. They don't tell you which one is which test nope. before or after. They make up names for, like, Joey's like, this must have been the decision test. Yeah. He just decides that it was. Yeah, by the way, so the title. Isn't everything a decision yeah, test, though? There's is. another one that's like an obedience test that he just. I forget what that's yeah, about. I don't remember. Uh, maybe there's a, a sobriety test later yeah. for whoever wrote this fucking garbage. Oh, like, God. Yeah, I mean, so the seven bridges in the title of the book are actually these seven tests they go through. But there's no bridges. There, I think there's two real bridges and the other five. But those are, aren't tests. I know. I, actually, I think one of them is. It doesn't matter. Uh, anyway, as you can probably tell in this book, there's lots of parallels to the Chronicles of Narnia. It's basically a really, really shitty Chronicles of Narnia where there's an alternate dimension, you know, child... Uh, child um saviors that were prophesied and animals that are deities and that help you high in the sky was sagita cruising (laughs) there's another sentence for you just to interject very weird use of passive voice yeah Yeah, i don't understand um and there's like these other monsters like that are also eagles or like they also have eyes on them there's like oh there's thor cow Cato, I think. Cato is, is Thorcow. And Dionysius. Dionysius is... Another eagle. They're all birds with eyes on No, Cato is a cow with, I, with wings. I guess and he is. I'm going to just accept whatever you just... Because, like, the descriptions are so... No, va- I only knew that because I looked at the encyclopedia of names in the back. Yeah... It, it, so they start – like, yeah, these mythical creatures start helping them a little bit. Like, the, the the eagle ports them around for a couple of the tests and then just abandons them. He's like, just, I fucking have faith. You can do it. See you later. Good luck, but asshole. I'll, but I'll always be watching you. And not helping you, though. So what the fuck? Like, he accepts that they're the encouragers. Yeah. But still needs to put them through the tests. Yeah, because that, you got to – The vaguely Because you got to make sure they're tests. loyal, dude. I, I don't know. Yes, I guess there was a loyalty test somewhere. Maybe. Um, 
Oh yeah. They then they start talking. Join Meyer start talking about like how much they've grown. Yeah, after like a couple of hours or days, like it literally cannot be any more. Like, I've a couple I've of grown days. ten years the wiser, Maya. We're so smart now. Because I came up with some fucking shitty aphorisms. Yeah, it's pretty. What is it? Today a reader, tomorrow a leader. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I, I at some point in this book, I felt like the author just interjected. Every phrase she had ever seen on the wall of her elementary school as a child. You know they have all those motivational posters? Yeah, there's a lot of it's, that. It's like, that all the half, time. Like every time the character is supposed to give like a deep speech, there's like some italicized saying or phrase or proverb or yeah, whatever that's garbage. super dopey. And like yeah. I don't even think they would be on the school of an elementary school because you would come up with better shit. <laughs> Although today a leader, tomorrow a leader is definitely some. Oh yeah, like like shit. read this Baradonia book and then become a king. Like okay, uh... the man who wants to lead the orchestra must turn his back to the crowd. Yeah, I mean that is how an orchestra stands. I don't know like, what that means. Like conductors do stand facing the if orchestra. If you want to be a good leader, focus on the people you're leading and ignore the audience. Yeah, I guess. Your but... detractors, which, you know, fuck, Gloria is amazing yeah. at doing. She just has a, every, like, rap song that she releases as Goldilocks is like, fuck the haters, bro. I'm not going to listen to them. Which sometimes, yeah, don't totally focus on all your criticism all the time, but it's not all just haters, Gloria. Oh, yeah, we didn't we didn't actually specify. She does do a, she has a rap career as Goldilocks. Rap it's just another, like, career. white lady trying to rap. Yeah. Thing which has been done to death already. Yeah. Um, so there's a whole lot of contradictions. I mean, they the start... villains are so forthcoming. Like, it's actually kind of nice how, how forthcoming they are. They're like, all right, we're going to go over here and plan how to kill you. And then we're going to come back and tell you how we're going to kill you. And then you can choose if you want to do that or not. Is that cool, guys? Yeah. They're like, like, what? Kind of like, like, yeah, we'll give you a chance to think villains. about this. Yeah. Anyway, the next test, I guess the next test, because they don't talk about it or give it a name or anything, is when they come upon the Iron Curtain. Yeah, so they, they're uh, entering <laughs> Russia. They're entering Russia in the mid Later on, there's like the wagons of El Dorado or yeah, something. Yeah, so then they go to Spain. Uh, but anyway, this yeah. Iron Curtain, it's not like a metaphorical blackout on press like in Russia or like – It's a literal it's iron a wall. It's a wall of metal that's standing in the middle of a forest that was conjured by the three witch fairies or something. I think. But it's it's not like the, – the way they have to sit and meditate for a couple of hours oh, yeah. trying to figure out how to get around it. And their solution is dig under it after like four hours of meditation <laughs> or something. And by the way, they, they dig under it pretty handily. Because it, like... it, it's, not, it's, it's not dug into the ground. It's just sitting on top of the soil. Yeah. So when that shit fall over? Well, I mean, I, I'm assuming it's maybe a little bit in the soil, but not No, they not said it's literally – it stops right where the soil starts. Oh, fuck it. So I they don't, don't even have to dig that much. So it's like why do you have to meditate for three hours? By the way, the way this happens is that someone has – Joey is like, oh, my brain had a blitz action. Yeah, and so immediately... Which is italicized and capitalized. Blitz action. So I immediately think of Bobby Blitz from Overkill coming out of the jungle and being like, elimination! Like, it's hilarious. That's what, what I think what of. what is a blitz action? It's Bobby Blitz jumping out of the jungle <laughs> and he's screaming elimination. And why is this a thing that, like, Joey, I had a blitz action? <laughs> he Maybe he knows about Overkill, man. Like, I don't know. Later on... On, and there's a, oh, here's another. <laughs> Maya came so hefty. <laughs> oh God! Oh. Which is literally describing her walking over somewhere, but it sounds it sounds vaguely sexual and awful and graphic. Yeah. I don't want to come hefty. 
have to leave. I don't Having know. a vision is the art of seeing things invisible. How? What? Can I say something over? Like sometimes when I'm doing these books and I'm talking a lot and I'm shouting, I forget to breathe and I get lightheaded in the middle of these podcasts. And this has happened like three times already, where like I'm about to pass out from how much I'm talking. So I need you to take over a little bit here while I catch my fucking breath. All right. So I have some contradictions I just wanted to address. Like, there's so. All right. So we're gonna stop going step by step through the plot here because it's just gonna take four hours. They have some tests and some shit happens. I'm gonna talk about some of the shit that happens. So at one point, yeah, we're 50 minutes in. Fuck this plot, dude. If you want to read it yourself, but don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. This is rivaling wild animus. Yeah, they get covered in this stuff that is slowly turning them to stone. So it's kind of like grayscale. They're becoming part of stone intoxication. Oh yeah, four twenty smoke weed every day. Blaze it, Kush dank weed. (laughs) Gross. Okay. Yeah. So it says that they are becoming stone intoxication. You heard that correctly. Becoming stone intoxication. Basically, it's like grayscale. If you guys are familiar with Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, it's this. The stuff, well, it's kind of similar. It turns them to stone. Anyway, so they're slowly turning to stone after they get covered in the substance, and they're they're having trouble moving and breathing. But somehow, the solution to turning yourself back to normal from stone is to go into a body of water as stone, which they, wouldn't you they, just sink and die? They jump into it. They, yeah. they jump. How can you jump if you're being immobilized? Yeah, and so that doesn't make sense. Um, let's see. There's How about the part with the grill and the sacrifice? Oh, hang on, hang on. No, no, no. I, that's a good one. I'm going to wait for that. I have a lot of stuff there's, to say about yeah, that. Yeah, me too. So they, they reference on – oh, there's also mermaids and unicorns in this land. There's fucking everything. It's fantasy, you know, catch all. Animals all talk except for dogs. Dogs don't talk. True. Unicorns don't talk either. No, unicorns talk. Do they? Yeah. Okay. The only thing that the doesn't talk doesn't, is yeah. the dog. Why? I don't know. Um, so in the mermaid, when we like catch up with the merfolk or whatever, there's underwater fruit gardens. What the fuck? With Queen Aquamarisha. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a magical uh, shell that helps humans breathe underwater, you know, like in every fantasy book about underwater shit. Um, there's a point where they're talking about their army. Of course, these kids are, like, amassing an army to go fight the evil empire. It's a teenage army. Yeah, and they're like, oh, we only have 60 horses, like, three pages later. With 300 horsemen! You're like, what the fuck? Where did you get those other those other horses? Yeah, they were what like, oh, happened? send our 60 horses back. And then later on, it's like, the 300 cavalrymen. Yeah, and you're like, what? Where did you fu-? Like, I thought you sent all of your horses that were 60 of them. And by the way, this is, like, a teenage army that's been, like, hiding in a valley because, yeah. like, the evil empire was looking for people to, like for children or something, but then later on it's like, oh, the population of like 1.5 million. I'm not counting the old, like the children and shit. So there's children elsewhere that aren't being hunted, even yeah. though these teenagers have to hide in the woods. Yeah, because I think they were like a particular warrior race or something. Anyway, these Ugh. no, these warrior teenagers are being led by General Justin, who when, General Justin. when the encouragers arrive and like start taking over his army because like they've passed some of the tests or whatever. He literally – it literally says Justin ran away crying. Yeah, like, like he, he ran, out... runs away crying into the woods yeah. because Maya and Joey are going to take over his army that he's been training. Even though even though that he's known all along that eventually the encouragers are going to come and take over the army that he's training. But, he's really but like, he finds out it's two kids and gets all sad about it even though he knew it was going to be two kids. It, it doesn't make sense. that they were children. I know. I know. I know. Um, also, yeah, this general – 
No, he, the other general, Genarius. Gen- Gen- yeah, he's later on. But Justin tries to poison them, and yeah. like Joey, like, oh no, you drink it first because he like had he, a dove saw Justin do yeah. it and told Fucking Joey. Dubs, so it's not even man. like Joey had any insight or whatever. He's just like, no, you drink it, and so Justin does. By the way, he contacted his like father before by talking to a medium who was immediately murdered because like mediums were supposed to be and sorcery supposed to be outlawed or something. Which is insane because. Everything in this is magical, but somehow sorcery is outlawed. Anyway, Joey takes command of the army, and he does this weird test where he's like, okay, everyone follow me into the meadow over here, and no one's allowed to eat or drink anything, and you can't jump into the water until I say so. So he makes these teenagers starve themselves in front of him. For, like, days. And then he's like, okay, everyone take a drink of water from the, the lagoon or whatever. And then some people jump in, and some people just take water, like, they scoop it up in their hands and he divides it up into like, okay, the people that just took drinks of water, you're my army. Whereas the other people that jumped all the way in and didn't follow my exact orders, you're going to stay here. Yeah. And it's like, dude, you just made them delirious after three days of not eating or drinking. It was more than three days. Really? Okay. Yeah. It was a while. And you're going to get upset when they jump into it. Just, yeah, it doesn't make any fun. And this is like his brilliant fucking strategy yeah. of like coming up with a sm- It's not even an army. It's like a fucking... Host of children. Yeah, it's not even, even a army. host. Is, it's like a unit. Yeah. It's like it's like a couple of legions. Yeah, it's a couple hundred people. Yeah, and then the, there's this other general who just can't handle information. Like, he finds out that he's supposed to be this big, badass general. He finds out that Joey and Maya know Sagita, the big eye-covered eagle, and he's like, oh my god, I can't handle that, and, like, has to sit down. Because he like takes a nap. He's like, we can't talk anymore. I have to fucking rest. Because- he gets overwhelmed by information. How are you a general? Yeah. This, I think this leads up into the grill scene. Yeah, it does. So anyway, they're in the middle of this. Like, they've brought an army across into, like, another village or something. Yeah. And there's, like, a grill in the middle where everyone, like, starts having a feast and grilling up food or whatever. And anyway, they all of a sudden get surrounded by um, the, evil the, the evil fairy witches who earlier actually had like tried to trap Maya and Joey with a wall of fire that Joey was just like nah it's fake bro we just have to jump through and it was I guess yeah and they did because it's but, all in your mind man but yeah. apparently the witches can make real fire yeah why wouldn't they have made the real fire right there no, no, no it was real fire but you see Maya and Joey had enough faith that so that they were able to conquer the evil really? fire that's what it is. It's about I thought it was just faith. fake fire. No, it's about it's a very Christian in that Maya and Joey succeed because they have faith and they believe that they are good enough to get past the evil things. That's how this whole book works. I, I thought it was just fake illusory fire. No, they talk about how faith is their only weapon like a million times. That's why. Okay. Anyway, these three witches show up at the village and they surround the whole thing with like a bunch of skeletons that they conjure up out of dark, like magical darkness that they conjure up yeah I don't know. they're like okay how about we let your whole army live if Maya and joey have to sacrifice themselves on the grill for us and we'll totally leave you alone by the way there's there's a scene later like where they're like ah we're, we're gonna fucking kill everyone we don't care we just yeah they, they go off to the side and there's like an aside that only the reader gets and they're like yeah we're obviously just gonna kill everyone even after they sacrifice themselves because why would evil, you do that why wouldn't you just save evil. that beat for later i guess yeah i, I don't know anyway so um <laughs> so this girl like the, the the way the witches threaten them is like they keep saying like 
as I said before, and I will say it again, we will smash you once and for all, and then we will burn your bodies and with fire and blow your ashes into all four directions of the earth. She says that like three times because yeah. I feel like she like thought of it beforehand. It was like, this is going to be good. I'm going to burn. I'm going to smash you all up and blow you into the four directions yeah. of the wind. She keeps saying it. Over. <laughs> That's the only thing I can fucking think of. Yeah. And, oh, I think this is actually one of the parts where we encounter the casual racism of this book, which is understated and ridiculous, where there's. So in this book, we were saying how the characters are really flat and stuff. And that that goes for describing physical appearance as well. People very rarely get described physically. Like There's a couple of passages where it's like she had brown hair or Yeah, it's like it's like it. real real uh, you know, scanty. You don't, no you don't build get, descriptions no, or like no ages. You don't get anything out of So really, you're just reading names that have no connection to anything. Um but if a character is black, they are you are told they're black and you are given you a keep description. Re- you be are constantly reminded. Yep. The two black village leaders the black, black witch, vill- yeah. the, this one black man. And yeah, like one of the mermaid. I don't know, there's some mermaid or warrior or something who is the pretty, prettiest black girl on the earth with her curly, curly black hair. And you're just like, oh God, why? It's like she, every other character doesn't have to be, have their skin color described at every turn. But every time a black character does something, it's made a point, by the way, they're black. By the way, they're black. Yeah. Hey, did you know they're black? Which, fine, I guess diversity in your thing. But like, why is this the only one that you keep saying, by the way? Black. Yeah, and same thing. One of the evil fairies, Sierra or Ciara, which yeah. is is Michael black. Sarah. Yeah, <laughs> Michael Sarah, um, the evil witch fairy. So she's so she's black, and they just, Michael Sarah's just black can't. No. <laughs> and yeah, it's just really weird how the only descriptor, the only people that get described frequently and in detail are the people that are not white. So that sucks. Um, anyway, back to this grill scene. So. In in a t- in the typical Christian fashion, you have the two people of faith willing to sacrifice themselves for the larger good. On they cry all the time, and they're like they're accepting their death. And then Joey, what, what does he pull out? Oh man, you're gonna give this to me. Yep. I'm gonna get this. Yep. Yes. All right. This seed in the book had me crying from laughter. So when Maya and Joey enter the other world, they have backpacks on with stuff in it. Cause they knew they, they thought they were just going to go like spelunking, like walking around caves or whatever, but they said pack some extra stuff. So they still have these backpacks with them all these days or weeks or months later or whatever. Uh, as they're climbing onto the pyre, Joey opens his backpack and pulls out fluffy. <laughs> fluffy is a stuffed bear. Mind you, Joey is supposed to be somewhere between 14 and 17. Um, still carrying around stuffed bear, which, you know, whatever. I'm not going to begrudge him that. But he stands up on this pyre and, like, holds Fluffy up and goes into this weird uh, eulogy for Fluffy. Did you find it? Oh, uh, no. Um, where he's like, if I'm going to die, then Fluffy's going with me and Fluffy's death will be for all of you. And it's just like, this is the <laughs> the most bizarre Oh, scene. I had this teddy all my life. When I turned five years old, I got Fluffy from my mom. Fluffy was my friend and my companion. He watched me every night from the right side of my cushion. I took him with me on all vacations and trips. Now I'm the commander of a mighty army, and Fluffy will die with me. Yeah. Fluffy will also die for the freedom of our men. Fluffy will die for the freedom of our men. I cannot imagine a better example of of how terrible this book is than that scene. It's just so perfect because not only is there, you know, there's there's mistakes in there grammatically and syntax-wise and, and stuff like that, but just the concept that 
a a teenage leader would eulogize his stuffed bear when he's about to be burned alive. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Anyway, they're about <laughs> to get burned alive, like the fires are starting or whatever, uh, and they're saved at the last minute when Joey finally accepts that he's going to die and says goodbye to Maya, and then all of a sudden, Sagita and Kato and Dionysus appear out of thin air or whatever. By the way, everyone fucking just materializes yeah. and disappears in this book, just at will. Just be, yeah, like It's, it's like, literally like when you're, the scene is done, you just disappear yep. into thin air. And that's how they get out. Like, they somehow protect Maya and Joey, and they, like, cast fire down upon the army so the evil witch fairies have to run away. And that's how Maya and Joey get out of that one. But later on, it talks about how, oh, these mythical creatures only come to you when you have the greatest faith that you're still going to survive, that you're still going to pull through. So why do they show up at the last minute when Joey finally accepts that he's going to fail and die? And yeah, Maya's sneakers are burning, and she's like, oh, fuck, I'm really going to die. Like, so they accept their death, and that is when they show up? But no, that's when you have faith the most? Yeah, because they they were like, something's going to save us, or whatever, I don't know. Anyway, um, so they break off again, and they start going into the bog swamp that I talked before about you. And uh, they meet Keegan and Misha Mansoor in the... Yeah, right, right. And originally, those two fishermen are like in the service of the Empire, because they're afraid that they're going to get killed if they try to help people, but... Yep. Maya and Joey, the the spy doves again, like basically whenever like there's a character that's like trying to hide something from Maya and Joey, the spy dove happens to be around them when they're, you know, ta- telling their evil plan to someone else so that they can fly back and tell Maya and, and Joey And same about. for the evil ravens, like they're also, and f- fuck you, ravens are rad as hell, alright? No one notices like, these fucking things after a yeah, while? Yeah, I hate They're not the- hiding that well. Anyway, <laughs> there's a character... <laughs> During this scene, like, someone in the army, I forget why he gets called up or something, but his name, his name is Petronio. And to me, I started laughing because this sounds like a character name in a Shakespearean-style play by T-Pain. I don't know why you thought of T-Pain. I mean, that's Because funny. he has songs about Patron all the time, oh, the liquor. Oh, okay, okay, So okay. it sounds like some, like, liquored-up T-Pain character it's like fucking, I'm in love with the Capulet. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, if you're looking for me, I'm at the bar. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Oh, wow. So that's a fucking hilarious name. They get yeah. stuck in this forest. I don't even know if they're do- doing the su- the tests anymore, the I Southern Bridges. I think it's over. I think by this point, people like, have accepted that they are the encouragers. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, this brings me to another point. How is information communicated so fucking quickly in this realm? There's no internet. Sorcery is outlawed. So presumably... It's literally just people running, like messengers. Yeah, or letters right but so, the like, speed at which information yeah, like everyone in the, in the world in, the, in maradonia knows about maya and joey now and it's only been like a couple weeks or something and they all know about them and totally accept that they are their saviors there's and they a scene them. later on where it's like <laughs> oh people heard the story of maya and joey and they're running out in the streets <laughs> screaming <laughs> yeah. like the encouragers are here and the boys were screaming out maya yeah. and the girls were screaming joey <laughs> out in the street so it's like a fucking like cities full of people just going my joy. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's really weird. It's that's like something a child. I mean, I guess it makes sense because I feel like that's something a child might think would happen in a fantasy book. You know, people find out about their saviors and they're like, yeah. These people, they rule, but in reality, yeah, that's not going to happen. 
Um, which brings me to, speaking of people in the city, which brings me to the political and social climate yeah. of this kingdom. By the way, we're well past an hour now, so this I, is going to be a long fucking episode. Sorry, of, guys. Uh, we have to cover a yeah, lot of this. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's just going to be forever. Um, so go on. So, anyway. So, this... God damn it. So, it's the evil... There's the evil empire, which is presumably a separate thing from Maradonia. Maradonia yeah, has a, the land of Terra Milli. Yes, so Terra Milli is the evil empire. But for some reason they have a king and not an emperor. That's kind of weird. They also, <clears throat> despite being an empire... Military with, leaders change ranks from captain to general at will. Yeah, so. yeah, I know. And then in the evil empire there's like 70 rulers or something. But how can you have multiple rulers if it's an empire? There's only supposed to be one emperor. Anyway, then Maradonia... No better. Yeah, there's King Astrodolus. Astroduolos. Astroduolos. I don't know how to pronounce that name. He is this king that's, like, been giving out talks at in city halls, like, twice a week. Even though later on in the book, it's like, oh, people, whenever they see King Astroduolos, they're like, oh, my God, it's King Astroduolos because we don't... It, he, he's such a recluse. Very but, seldom seen or whatever. Yeah. But, like, he's giving talks twice a week at the city hall. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway... So there's – in the Maradonia, there's the king. Um, there's no discussion of queens or princes or Just the king. Just the king. He lives on an, a, a not a state or something because – He they, lives like in a cabin. Maya and Joey bring – like are brought to him and they're like, where's the fucking estate that we thought – oh, he lives in the, just the woods out here in the cabin. But then later on in the book, it's like they are brought to the estate of King Esther Duolos. Yeah. They call it the House of Kra or something. Yeah. Where at first it was like just a cabin with some shitty rooms and then later on it's a fucking castle. Yeah, I think I don't know if it does change. And the to a king castle. only sh- like there's a weird thing with people no, shining. No, no, I think you're thinking about city hall. No, no, it's no. no I'm telling you okay. that this happened. Anyway, there's a room where the king hangs out where there's like nothing in there. There's just like a couple of chairs. There's no lights except for the king who glows. People glow randomly in this. Yeah, book. if they're if they're if they are super faithful, they glow a bunch. So like Maya and but Joey are gradually getting brighter. Like, only sometimes. Yeah. They're only glowing – like the king is only glowing in this one room where Maya and Joey have to shield their eyes. But yep. outside, he's fine. Like he's- yeah, outside the glowing ceases for some reason. It's bizarre and inexplicable. Um, But back to the social political climate. So in Maradonia, there are supposedly 24,000 people in administration – 6,000 judges or court officers, 4,000 police, and 4,000 musicians. And, but musicians then, are like appointed political yeah, positions apparently. Yeah, which – great. Cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, can we live there? Um, so, all right. That's just – that's what? 38,000 altogether. So there's 38,000 people running the entire kingdom of Maradonia. But then in one city, there's 1,100,000 fighting men and then 470,000 fighting men of a different race – and that's not even including the men, women, and, and children who do not fight. So, Very admin-heavy, which but, I guess, but like... Well, no, no, no. I'm saying, like, if one city has one point, almost 1. 1.6 million people just of fighting... Uh, I'm not age, but, you know, suitable for, for being a warrior. Military service. Then there's or all of these Or a warrior, which is a typo in this book oh, there, yeah. where it's like all the warriors stood about in their armor. Yeah, yeah, the warriors. Um, so there's 1.6 million people capable of fighting, and then God knows how many other people who aren't. So let's just 
say twice that. Let's say there's three million people in a city. How then, over the entire realm, are there only 4,000 police if one city has, like, three million people? Yeah, I'm sure I there's, like, understand. more than 4,000 police in the New England area. Yeah, like, I I don't understand. And even even for one city, that wouldn't really be enough for yeah, that many I, people. Like, the numbers don't crunch appropriately. It doesn't make sense. Anyway, yeah, so they – eventually they get led up to King Astroduolos and his not-estate at the House of Kra. Right. Depending on what day you're fucking coming at it, apparently it, it <sighs> yeah, shapeshifts or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I've been waiting for you guys for forever and I know that you're the encouragers now. So I'm going to – you take your army of 300 and go to this pool of blood out ne- near the rivers or something because I jumped in there one time and it made me invulnerable to the powers of evil. Yeah. Turn because like turns out the reason why is because a piece of, when Apollyon was first rebelling against the king of light whose name is Ruach or something which is only mentioned like a couple So of when times. Satan was rebelling against God and God cast him God down God got real petty cuz like yeah, Satan built petty. like a, a a castle at the top of a mountain and he threw the mountain into a lake Yeah he was like which doesn't Fuck seem like mountain. it would fit or whatever yeah, I but don't know. that Tainted the lake water so it's like a blood pool. But if you jump in there and let yourself dry off naturally, you will be like invincible, encased in the protective magic or something. By the way, Apollyon doesn't know this, even though it, it, it was happened his... to him. Yeah, even though. Okay, so Apollyon was rebelling against Ruach, the god of the king of light. King of light gets all mad about his estate, rips this mountain off, throws it into a lake. Then Apollyon proceeds to forget this ever happened and doesn't know that there's this pool of invincible blood somehow. And, that, and King Estradulo sends Maya Joey and their army off to theirs to get – because it's a secret. And How is like, it a secret? Wh- How is it a secret? Why is it a secret? Why wouldn't you put your normal army in there to begin with to fight the powers that be? Why do you need Maya and Joey yeah. to lead people? Why only 300 people – None of this plan makes any fucking goddamn sense. (laughs) No, it doesn't. It's really bad. Why? Why? I don't know. Why any of this? I know. I just still can't get over the whole, oh, I didn't know anything about this pool of blood, even though it was my castle. Yeah, because what happens is like the, 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 the witch army surrounds the 300 people again. They try to burn them to death with like a cushion of burning snowflakes. A cushion. Yeah, Apollyon describes it as like our famous heat cushion of famous glowing heat cushion of burning snow that is the exact quotation it sounds like a guy fieri dish to me yeah yeah and also burning snow i mean whatever cool magic whatever right like, snow can't burn no you're just raining fireballs down on people don't call it burning snow i don't fucking know oh, god and so you know everyone is invincible and the that army runs away from the people the 300 people that except for like 10 warriors that showed up late and were like now nah, we're fucking fine we don't need that yeah shit. there were there were like 10 warriors that were like now nah, we cool we don't need to be in the invincible blood and then of course they're the first 10 people to die they, they and then get, they decide to bury them in a d10 essentially yeah uh, like a 10 cornered coffin <laughs> so each warrior has their own corner in the casket which is respectful how about you get, i don't know man that like shoving them in a corner of a d10 yeah. casket <laughs> seems a little <laughs> i thought it was hilarious um, I don't know. Let's talk about some other things. So, teamwork is evil. Teamwork is evil. Yeah, only by the evil way. people do teamwork. Yeah, what? Even though that's what the army of good is doing. Yep. Also, power and fame 
are evil. Oh yeah, the, 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 then <laughs> okay. So the way this is described is like, oh, we're gonna like just we can't since we can't use our supernatural powers because the King of Light's gonna come down and fuck with us if we do. Which is why is that the line? Wait, what? Apollyon late in the book, he's like, oh, we can't use our supernatural powers anymore because that will compel the mythical creatures and the King of Light to come down and aid them. So we can't use that anymore. He gets mad at one of his leaders for going like, why don't we just burn them all with fire? Like like all the people that haven't touched the pool of blood. And Apollyon's like, you fucking idiot. That'll make the King of Light come down. Oh, what? Okay. Right? Because why wouldn't he just do that anyway? Yeah. By the way, um... Apollyon, uh, King Astrodulos, when he jumped in the pool, he left like a, a leaf touched him. Yeah, and, and so like he has... so, his shoulder wasn't covered by the pool. So he has an Achilles heel on his shoulder. A, a shoulder, but he's like, oh, it's a supernatural law that you can't jump in there again to get protected over the rest of your body. How does he fucking know that? Why is that a law? Yeah, I know. It's... Also, Apollyon figures this out later, yep. magically when he remembers. No, that... he went to his. His book chamber, also known as his goddamn library. <laughs> and she just constantly refers to it as a book chamber. It's a fucking library. We all know what that word is. Just I, say I'm it's a library. I'm looking at the waveforms on this recording and the clipping is going to be real. <laughs> I'm sorry. The book rage is too strong. Yeah, like at this point, oh. it's just a mess. <laughs> Because, like, he just magically remembers, like, oh, yeah, that's right. That one time my fucking castle got thrown into a lake by the King of Light. Which is why I'm mad at him to begin with a little bit, but I forgot about that. Yep. Um, and so he's like, oh, but we can't use our supernatural forces, so we, what I was saying is that he has to go, like, we have to use our, like, we have to tempt them with the triple P. <laughs> Get ready like, for a triple penetration, whoa. guys. He's going to mouth ass and puss fuck <laughs> oh, you simultaneously. This fucking book, you guys. I can't. We're going to give him the triple P. I don't even remember what were the triple P. I don't remember. Oh, God. By the way, the climax of this book was when they invincibly resisted the army and then the army ran away. That was like the big moment of triumph. And I didn't realize that. And the book kind of suddenly ends and you're like, No, there's like 11 more chapters of like wind down or something where like people are being told about this. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. Everyone's fucking partying and rejoicing like they just won the war when like you didn't even do anything. You just didn't get killed. Yep. Because you jumped in this pool that you didn't have to have Maya and Joey lead you to. You could have had the king fucking lead you to that. But he's apparently keeping it secret for some fucking reason. Yeah, I don't know. Um... There's, so, yeah, back to my earlier point about how they're talking about how power and fame are, are the root of evil. I mean, also love of money. But the king is super powerful and famous, and so are the encouragers. So I'm a little confused about how two of the three things that are the root of all evil are also present in the supposedly good guys in the book. I, I mean, I don't know. Does it only really complete the trifecta of evil when the love of money is added? Who knows? Um... Oh, that you should talk about the uh, the gunpowder issue. Okay, so earlier in the book, at some point outside of a city, to announce like the arrival of the encouragers or something, some of the people let off a flare. It's like literally loaded into what's described as a torpedo tube. Yeah, it sounds like and a bazooka. Shoot, yeah, it shoots a flare into the sky that releases like rainbow colored fireworks to alert the city that oh, you should let us in because the yeah. And there was are like here. a button on it and everything. They described that specifically. Why are they still using swords and shit? If you know how gunpowder works, yeah. but then later on at the end of the book, when King Apollyon is having his meeting to figure out how to attack all the kingdom. 
without supernatural powers, he's like, we have a secret weapon, the black powder. Yeah. Which is gunpowder, I'm assuming. Yep. But if these people could make flares, they would know about it too? Yeah, you would think. So it's not a secret weapon, even though they aren't using it. Yeah, I... Nothing makes sense. Nope. Nothing makes sense. <laughs> sure doesn't. Uh, and that's how this book wraps up is like eventually it's just like the, the meeting ends and when they're like, ah, oh, we're going to fucking kill him. The end. Yeah. Oh, um, one other random thing that was kind of hilarious is uh, Joey and Maya are leading all these people to the pool of blood and they're like, well, no, none of you should see where we're going because what if one of you gets captured and interrogated? So everyone gets blindfolded. They're leading hundreds of thousands, like hundreds or thousands of people hundreds. blindfolded. Except my and Through, Joey. like, through vast tracts of land. It's just everyone with their hand on the other person in front of them. Or shoulder. grabbing a horse tail. Yeah. Some, yeah somebody's going to shit on. Like, that's a pretty dumb idea. Yeah. Um, so that's another weird thing. Can I talk about how, like, nothing is described super well in this no. book? Like, events that should be, like, huge and epic are, like, kind of glossed over. Yeah. Like, here's my favorite thing. It's, like, literally a three-word sentence. An earthquake happened. <laughs> like, oh, that's okay. it? You can't describe the things shaking or the fright. No, it's just no. an earthquake happened. Oh, that happened. An earthquake happened. That's cool. That's all. Just don't worry about it. And, like, feasts later on, like, they... <laughs> They Fruit had, juice and Maya mango. and Joey arrived at the residence of Judge Kingston. The judge was a very friendly older man who invited them into his house. He offered them some fruit juice <laughs> and asked them to sit down in his cozy living room. It's like, okay, so they, they, these leaders of an army get brought forth in front of this judge, and he's like, why don't you have some fucking juicy juice? Yeah, right, yeah. Like, <laughs> 100% juice for 100% kids. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing it's because they don't want to encourage alcohol consumption or something, because this book is super fucking Christian, so... Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Even coffee or tea man would make more sense. That's a pretty traditional beverage of greeting. I get beverage of greeting. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but that's typically what you would offer as a host to visitors to your estate. Um, anyway, oh, I'm just going to talk about some more of my, my favorite phrases. Yeah, in let's this just, book. Start, I'm going to so, start, start looking okay, through the so, notes here. Let's just start yeah, talking so, about uh, random shit. Libraries are book chambers. Um, the weird rhymes in this, like, pain in his brain and the reason for the trees <laughs> that made me think of a master shake quote from awkward hunger force was like listen the reason for the season is pleasing and i ain't gotten much pleasing around here lately yeah so the reason for the treason i think they actually use that the reason for the times. treason is pleasing <laughs> the healing is all the hell oh, the oh, things all the like the things are named like the southwest plateau of death <laughs> and the south plateau of death like yeah, okay, okay that's really fucking um emotionally aroused extremely excited what the fuck why would you ever say that general Ganarius led the assembly save and sound yep uh more odd phrases uh i think joey's talking about how he needs to leave an area until i get green like these trees what i don't i don't know what that means. i don't know what that means um an adamant rod that rod was really I think really she was adamant. thinking about, like, adamantine, which is, like, a fan... Like, you see that in, like, oh, Final adamantium? Fantasy. No, adamantium is a Marvel comic Yes, thing. I know. But in some fantasy RPGs, especially, like, JRPGs and some other stuff I play, adamantine is another uh, type of metal. Okay. It's like mithril. Of... It's like a different kind of mithril. Oh, but adamant rod just it's is It's supposed hilarious. to be adamantine rod. Okay. But adamant rod is just, like, that rod 
It wants you to know it's there to stay, and it's a rod. Abaddon was shocked, absolutely confused, and could not understand the situation. He ran in circles like a maniac, pulled his hair, screamed at the fairies and at the leaders of his army. People act like like the leaders yeah. of the evil empire act like children in this book. Yeah. Oh, and then just some other dumb shit that crossed my mind. There's like Dolphin's Gate, which just made me think of the Candlemas song Demon's Gate. So in my mind, I was just singing Dolphin's Gate to the tune at of some that. point. Like, like some like silly. village elders or something are talking with Maya and Joe, and they're giving bad news, and it says they put, they fell flat with their faces on the table and started crying for like an hour. So it's literally just like people face planting into a table and crying for a couple of hours. Uh, yeah, it's. I'm trying to think of some other ones. Oh, they of, knelt down before General Ganarius grabbed his feet and wept. I don't know. Grabbing why. your feet. Yeah, I don't know why you would do that. She in the like at the end of the book, she starts using and so it was at the start of paragraphs to like a lot. Yeah, I don't know why. It's like oh. she found a new toy and wanted to play with it. Oh, and then at the end of the book, there's an encyclopedia of characters. But uh, it spoils the other, like, it's like spoilers for the rest of the series. There's a general that helps them in this book named General Felipe, and he betrays them later. Just in the character listing, it says General Felipe, who later betrays them. It's like, yeah, and you're fucking like, thanks! I, maybe yeah. I wanted to, like, have some, like, the little tension and plot twist that you had, you just got rid of entirely. Yeah, it's... <clears throat> Sorry. It's an encyclopedia of characters for the entire series, so it's weird because... I think it is. Yeah, because there's a bunch of characters that you never encounter in this book. And then you found that gem, that gem character, Chris. Which one are you going to have Chris to be? Cornelli. Oh, yeah, there's one <laughs> named Chris Cornelli, which is like, I guess, fucking Chris Cornell from Audio Slave decided to become an evil general. Yeah. He doesn't really say much about him except that his name is Chris Cornelli, which yep. I thought was hilarious. Uh. There's, like, a couple of digs at non-Christian viewpoints. Like, yeah. they talk about, at the very beginning... I don't understand beginning, these people with their revolution. Yeah, it was like, oh, these creatures in this world seem to be much smarter than my, our science teacher who talks about the Big Dang, Big Bang Theory. Big <laughs> Dang. <laughs> I can't talk. The Big Bang Theory, her, her, her. Yeah, and it's like, There's okay, one whatever, chapter guys. where after the whole fighting goes down, Astrodulos gives Maya and Joey some... Tarn caps, T A R N K A P P E S. It's like a little bit Germanic in spelling. Yeah, and they're basically little hats that you put on and you can turn invisible, and you're invisible except for like to the forces of evil. So they're the one ring, the one but they're hats. like dopey hats instead. Except there's three of them. Yeah, those they're real dopey. They look like um those knit winter hats with the long tassels on the side. Anyway, and but, like a puffy ball on the. But top. when he pulls them out, he describes like it says King Astrodulos pulled a white bag out of his left pocket. <laughs> So I imagine, like, he just had, like, this plastic shopping bag from, like, CVS that he just, like, fucking pulls out. But later (laughs) on, he's like, I always carry my own tarn cap in the right pocket of my rope. (laughs) I think it's a typo for robe. My rope pocket. No, it's a typo for robe. But, yeah, the typos are hysterical in this because shit like that happens. The warriors that were organized. Yeah, the warriors, uh... I'm trying to think of some other ones. Terra Millie means who is like me on Earth. What? No, it doesn't. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, there's they. That's the thing. They 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 try to have all these you know special words and different language, but it's they're not fleshed out languages like they are in other fantasy epics. You know, this is not Elvish. This is not. Um, 
<laughs> God, I can't, I can't even think. Later of on, uh, the doves are talking to Queen Aquamarisha, who is captive in that a water name. park. Or that... Yeah, captive in a fucking water park. Oh, <laughs> Queen Aquamarisha was moved by the story of Maya and Joey and could hardly contain herself as she was vehemently overcome with joy. How are you vehemently overcome with joy? I mean, that's just not the right. By the way, uh, later on, King Apollyon like turns to Abaddon. He's like, "You're the successor for all my stuff." And his other son Pluton gets all angry, and he literally runs away and sits and cries in this water park. So I imagine like this little demon kid (laughs) sitting in a water park, like, "My dad didn't put me in the world. Fuck! I just want to look at the mermaids and the dolphins." Ah." Yeah, it's really bad. It's implied later on because some of the leaders, like, uh, Apollyon kills one of these titans or something because, yeah, I don't know, he talked to him weird. Yeah. And so they're, like, going to Pluton's, like, look, why don't we just fuck with your dad a lot? And it, that's just, like, the. Yeah, there's so there's, like, internal dissent in the evil empire. For, like, but... later on in the book. I'm but yeah, assuming. isn't there, like, no rhyme or reason as to why Apollyon kidnapped the Queen of the Mermaids and some of her mermaid friends and, and made the them... unicorns? But oh, there the must unicorns. be a leader because Imperator Blackpool and the four other unicorns, that's the name of some unicorns, are already liberated from the hands of terrible trudy who, who is, is terrible trudy, trudy? yeah she's never mentioned aside from like this one offhand passage at the end of the book because the unicorns were being led by like a parade of musicians who are evil of course because yeah because musicians fun. are evil right i don't yeah. fucking know. I don't know and, and there was never a trudy mentioned <gasps> i think is that short for gertrude Holy shit. Oh, maybe that's what it, if that doesn't make sense cuz she's never referred to as that another And she's not passage. even with the unicorns. Yeah. But that's the only connection I can think of. We figure some shit out. Oh man, you got to read the description of that one unicorn. Faina? Um, yes, please. It's right here. Faina it's... is a yellowish white unicorn with a bright red mane and a long red tail. Everything is unusual on this animal. Her horn has double lengths to in comparison with all other unicorn horns and she also has red dots on both sides of her cheeks. So it's a ponyta and a Pikachu crossed. Yeah, but her horn is super long. How Yeah, it's she... a po- it's a Rapidash and a Pikachu crossed. I don't know what a Rapidash Pokemon. is. They're Pokémon. I know. Uh, uh, a Rapidash is a fire horse. Oh, okay. Its mane is fire instead of hair. Oh, there you go. But yeah, like, how can you walk around with a unicorn horn that's twice as long? Wouldn't that kind of make you a little top-heavy, like, forward motion-heavy? I don't know. It's just, it, it sounds ridiculous. By the way, it's like, 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 she's one of the doves, I think Libertine is the dove's name, by the way. Which, okay, Libertine is, like, the main dove for the good forces, do they know what libertine means? That's somebody who does not give a shit about morals and does whatever the hell they want and steeps themselves in hedonism. That doesn't make any sense! And uh. anyway, she's talking to Faina, which, by the way, when I first read it, it looked like the Y was italicized, so it looked like a J. So I thought it was Fagina, <laughs> the unicorn. Anyway, Faina, libertine, the unicorn. libertine and Fagina are talking, <laughs> and Fagina goes, What is your message? And then the Bedell responds, I am in the service of King Astroduolos, the ruler over the land of Maradonia, and I am one of his informers. So... You are a spy. I wouldn't say it that way because the reality is that Apollyon has declared war on King Astroduolos. You're still a fucking spy. Yeah, you're still a spy, asshole. Um, Just admit you're. It's fine. Oh my god, the fucking blip on that on that waveform. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, guys. We're getting real angry. So, all right. I think. If you have any other great examples of the writing, you can just honestly read a paragraph and they can understand the flavor. Go to Amazon, read a fucking couple of pages of the preview thing because she mercifully lets you at least peek inside before charging you $3 for the Kindle edition. We did pay $3 for this. Uh, I think, Chris, what was your your definition of uh, 
or your explanation of how those $3 could have been used. You could have eaten them and gotten more <laughs> nutritional value out of the ink printed on the paper of the yeah, dollar. Yeah, that's, that's probably true. That, that was a better <laughs> use of the $3 right there. Yeah, I think you're right. Frenzy Silence is here later in the book, but we already talked yeah, about frenzy that. Yeah, Frenzy Silence. I don't, I mean, like... There's so many phrases and rhymes that are weird. It's all over the place, really. Um, I think we've kind of beaten it to death that this book makes no sense. Yeah, I don't know if I can talk about any more heinous examples of shit. I'm going to thumb through the notes really quickly, but why don't you start wrapping us up by talking about where you can contact us. Send us more copies of books. I don't know, Kindle things, because we read this on a Kindle, which is why we had you know, so many. I don't, I don't even think we really discussed, though, our two main points about like how to encourage creative children or stand up for Oh, yeah, fine. Let's kids. wrap it I mean, up this way. Yeah, let's talk about that. So We're an hour and a half in, so. That's fine. It's just going to be long. So, um... You know, Chris was talking earlier about, you know, can you have the same standards for adults and children or should there be double standards? And I think, yeah, in some way there should be double standards for adults and children putting things out in the world. You're just plain going to have more experience yeah, as and, an adult. And, and you have a fully developed brain for the most part as an adult. So, again, yeah, life experience counts for a lot when but it comes to creative You should endeavors. still praise the effort, especially of creative children. Yeah, and I think, I think you know, for me, if I'm – working with kids who are doing something creatively and it's you know they put the time in like chris is saying you want to praise their effort but you always want to say you know this is really good but it can be better let's work on making yeah, it better don't together totally wash over what can be improved right because you need that at early stages to be able to learn how to take criticism self-evaluate and turn that into the motivation to work harder right whenever i see people that are better than me at music or guitar i get a little dejected but i turn that sort of depression into self-motivation to like, no, I'm going to try as hard as they did because they worked really hard to get where they are. It took them time and effort that I could be putting in too. Yeah. It it seems like Gloria doesn't like she, she sits down and writes certainly, but she doesn't, she just writes whatever comes in. That's good enough. Yeah. I mean, her parents clearly didn't encourage um, an editing process with this. This reads like a first draft of an eight year old. An ESL. An ESL eight-year-old. Or even just, you know, first draft of a child, you know. It it doesn't sound like a finished, polished work because it's not. Because it hasn't been edited. It hasn't been critiqued. Even though they claim to have been edited? Yeah, I don't really think they were. There's testimonials in the back of this book that are fucking fake as shit, bro. They're written with the same terrible grammar and syntax. You can't tell me that everyone that had a – maybe it only attracts people that have a weird grammar failing in their brain. Yeah, no. Yeah, we should read some of the the testimonials. They're pretty funny. Um, But – you know, when it comes to kids, you want to obviously – but, you know, explain to them that some of the things they're doing maybe could be better. You can try to submit it to a publisher and they might get rejected or maybe they could fucking take it. Like, you know. Yeah, you never know. But you should teach them like, yeah, I know that sucks and you feel bad that like you didn't immediately have the best thing ever. But no one's immediately going to have the best – even if no. you do have the best thing ever, if no one's heard of you before – it's going to take time for you to build a fan base or yeah. like build your own art so that it's better. Especially, you should never expect the first creative endeavor you have to like blow the doors off of everything. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, even I mean, we're both musicians, so we we've been through this process as musicians in our life. I mean, we're not neither of us are still going through it. Yeah, neither of us are artists or writers. I mean, I I enjoy writing um, in an academic way. I've but... written some short stories that you've edited, and I have an interest in pursuing yeah. a dumb. Fit. But that's like kind of yeah. spare time stuff where. 
Gloria does the same thing too. She has many fingers in different creative pursuits, and I think any creative person kind of is naturally attracted to different stuff like that. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to kind of pick and choose where you're focusing your energy and how much time. Like I could be writing this fantasy novel thing. Yeah, that I, I mean, when write, I was when I was but younger, it's back burner shit. While I carried my my real passion, which is yeah, music. Or exactly. Like when I was younger. When I was like 13, 14, I was like writing poetry and I was, you know, a photographer and I was I a model. Wrote like a and... terrible fantasy thing that might be worse than Maradonia, but I didn't oh, fucking yeah. like self-publish and put it out there. I threw it away when I found it again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, you know, I thought that, you know, I liked photography and modeling and all the shit. But you know, as I got older, after I was, you know, done being a teenager, I was like, okay, these aren't these aren't really worth my time. Like, I might enjoy these things, but I'm not the best at either of them. You know, there's plenty of other people that are way better I really, you know, music is really the thing I care about. So, like Chris, I sort of threw aside those things that I had dabbled in and really focused on something but that you could I come I back liked. to them. Time I wanted to, time. to, but like uh, you're on both album covers of my like electronic chill oh, stuff. Oh no, you're telling people about that. Oh god, they yeah, it out yeah. But. So it's fine. Yeah, I mean, so there are pictures of me still floating around out there in the world, but whatever. Um, you're not marketing Point it like being, you're the next Tyra Banks. Yeah, dude. Like, I'm not telling anyone about it because I know it's not that good. And it's just something I did for fun and as, you know, kind of a creative dabbling, which kids do. Um, and even adults. But so, anyway, yeah. I think yeah. the point is that you sh- we should – it's kind of good that her parents were supportive of her effort, but they didn't temper it. With realistic expectations, right. the ability to self-evaluate and criticize and take criticism from others. They clearly didn't actually let an editor edit this. Yeah. They must have just paid someone all over to Gloria's be called page the editor. Is like staying positive but by avoiding listening to criticism and ignoring it outright, which – it's one thing to say, like, you can't, like, if you're famous on YouTube especially, you can't sit through there and read all the fucking bile that's going to be posted about you because there's more people that are going to be, you know, they don't like what you do. So sometimes you shouldn't spend your time reading stuff that's just outright, like, fuck you just because you're you and it's not constructive at all. Yeah, but constructive criticism is necessary. I mean, even if it hurts, you know, I've had people say some stuff about, you know, me and... And it it was tough to hear, but you have to take criticism. That's fuel for self improvement. Yeah, it's it's not like of course we're not going to be amazing immediately. No, we have to work at it, and we still have to work at it. You always you're always honing your craft. I mean, I'm, there's never a point. even with this podcast, which we do for fun. I make an effort to try and like ad lib more jokes, and I'm trying to be a little better about improv-y stuff. And we talk to each other about like how we can talk better. Yeah, we try to structure the episode in a way. I mean, it doesn't always work. But... I have a weird. Ever since I started listening, I have a weird thing about how I pronounce my s's on this thing, which just kind of annoys me that I'm it, trying to fix. But it's kind of just honestly, so ingrained in my that, speech that it doesn't. Uh, I don't think there's a problem. I think I sound a little bit like a Daffy Duck with. <laughs> no, you don't. But yeah, I, I think that. Essentially, the problem here isn't Gloria Tesh. It's her parents, really, who are... At this point, it's also Gloria. Well, yeah, she's old enough now. But again, like I said, she's grown up in this environment, and it's really hard to pull yourself away from that if that's all you've ever known. You know, if you have enough money to wrap yourself up in this unrealistic fantasy world and you live in it, you don't know anything else, especially if your parents constantly silence any dissent. Um, or and pay for you to just have some exposure, however fake or yeah. They, I mean, they've they've thin. gone so far as to make fake websites, like websites that are supposed to be like, oh, the next up and coming celebrity, but it's all about Gloria. It, it's obviously made up just to serve her ego. 
sock and, puppetry at the extreme. Yeah, it's really bad. The sock puppetry is kind of out of control here. Um, I, I just can't imagine why these people continue to do this. It's very strange to me that two adults... Um, wouldn't you rather spend the time actually getting better? Yeah, wouldn't you rather spend all this money and time paying for lessons for Gloria, for writing and acting and you know, getting her coaches or something like that. I, mean, I feel like that would be a better use of that money. But, um, yeah, it, it's honestly kind of a sad story, I think. A little bit, because, like, yeah. I want another thing I want to ask you really quick is, like, do you think this could be salvaged? Do you think there's any sort of rewriting or redoing or editing that could have made this a palatable book? Not even a good book, but, like... A book. A, a book, yeah. I, you know, honestly, I hate to say it, but I don't, I don't think so because the ideas, you know, it's basically the Chronicles of Narnia with less plot and with a bunch of contra- even more Christian overtones, if that's even fucking possible. Um, Insane I mean, contradictions. Yeah, because you'd have to take out, you'd have to throw away everything except for maybe the names. Yeah, and the and the scenery, I guess, but. Yeah, the, and the general arc of like they're being tested, and then they have to lead this army. But how they like the way they solve the problem at the start isn't or at the end rather isn't even that good because the king could have just sent everyone to the po- so there's like not yeah. even an arc. No, that's why when I got past the climax, I was like that was the high point. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Like I was saying, the book ended kind of abruptly for me because I was expecting something else to happen, and then suddenly it was just over, and I was like, uh, okay. So yeah, I, don't, so I don't. I don't think it could be salvaged. I don't. Uh, yeah, like you. That's why I want to see this this movie. Oh, the movie, it, which apparently has wrapped production. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen anything besides that ten minute trailer, which is hysterical. Oh, the there was trailers. another trailer for another version of the movie before, which is even more funny. Yeah, it's even funnier because I think they actually steal artwork from pretty famous artists, like uh, oh god, the guy that shit, I can't think of his name. Oh, anyway, what? they stole, they took art from a handful of really famous fantasy artists and like plastered it really bad, like MS Paint layered it into the background of this video where they did a trailer for the movie. It's... Where the costume design and the green screen work is child level. Yeah, it's pretty bad. The acting is like I'm middle sure school. These people have never theater. seen a movie before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so they just wrapped on this movie. Supposedly. So, yeah. Although it's been in production for like four years, so who knows? Supposedly. Yeah. So I'm going to, for funsies, read some of these testimonials. Sure. So in the back of the book are testimonials from people who have supposedly read this book and supposedly like it. There are far too many here. And like Chris was saying, they do, many of them have a similar grammar and syntax to the writing in the book. So it's very likely that these are fake or at the very least paid for um yeah i can't imagine any of these yeah I'm, I'm just gonna read a bunch of them because they're great um the world's youngest novelist gloria tesh launched a promising fantasy series with her maradonia chiller fast pacing superior characterization and a sound storyline a winner there's a couple of times where it's described as a chiller or chilling. It's like, that's not what that is, bro. Yeah. That's like a horror book or something. Um, I purchased Gloria's book, Maradonia and the Seven Bridges, as a present for my grandchildren. I read the book by myself, and I have to say, after reading it, I felt younger again, and I should have read this kind of literature earlier. Gladys T., 94, educator. Yeah, no. No. That didn't happen. That's not real. That never happened. Uh, oh, oh, this is good. Hang on. 
I enjoyed the article on the front page of the Suncoast newspaper about Gloria Tesh. Very encouraging and inspirational. Can't wait to see how Gloria's career continues to grow. Roger T. Wholesale. <laughs> no, it, his name isn't Roger T. It's supposed to be like he's involved in Wholesale, but it does look like his name is Roger T. Wholesale. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, I'm just going to pick another one at random. The Maradonia saga will knock your socks off with its brilliant dialogues, the truthful no. characters, and its no. plot, especially in the second and third novel, which always leads you exactly where you would never think you were headed. Well, that's certainly true. The dialogue is nowhere near brilliant. <laughs> no. Nope. There is not one flash of this, it, this is the absence of brilliance. Yep. Um, it's a black hole. <laughs> yeah. Hang on. Let's find. Oh. Your second novel, Maradonia and the Escape from the Underworld, as well as Maradonia and the Gold of Ophir, is just wonderful. So full of life and substance. I can't wait to buy the book Maradonia and the Dragon Riders and see what you do with the rest of your first six books. Leah D., editor, who is actually credited, I believe, as the editor on this series, which is frightening. She didn't do her job at all. Nope. Um... I enjoyed Gloria's book immensely. It was easy to read in its entirety over the weekend. With so many thoughts and images bombarding us, it was refreshing to read something sanitized with virtue and honor. I was impressed that such a young writer was able to capture the vision and emotion contained in the story and that as an adult, I could feel and see the meaning of the words on each page. The fantasy and magic in the story were alive and entertaining. I would not hesitate to read it to a child without censure and would think it entertaining for anyone young at heart, tired of negative themes thrust upon us daily. I think we'll be hearing for years to come from Miss Gloria Tesh, who is a sweet, unassuming, innocent young lady whom I had the pleasure of meeting at her book signing at Books a Million in Port Ritchie, Florida. Nancy B. I still don't think that happened. That's not real. And I mean, I'm sure that she's purchased the ability to have a signing at a bookstore, but who shows up? I don't know. Um... Give us a There's couple a more. Few... Give us a couple more. Th- th- this is like... Um... Again, from Leah D., editor, this is a second testimonial from the same person who is on their payroll. Hi, Gloria. I just finished my second read-through of Maradonia and the Gold of Ophir and Maradonia and the Dragon Riders. It's a triumph! I'm shouting because it's all in caps and has three exclamation points. Gloria, my love, your writing has evolved so much. The dialogue is fantastic, and your transition from chapter to chapter is very smooth. I have a couple of favorite scenes. When Alana and her mother Lindsay meet their respective demises, and the storm takes over the ship at sea. You got the tension in these two black moments perfect. What a magical epic journey! I truly got lost in it and swept away in the story. Gloria, your imagination is limitless! There were so many aspects that I enjoyed that there are too many to list here. It's incredible how Maradonia has an unexpected surprise around every corner. The writing is true literature here. I feel humbled to be a part of this. The writing is true literature? That's also written, like, weirdly. Yeah, fuck yourself. That's the thing. Even these testimonials are not written well. I I, I Um, guess whoever that editor was, like, if she's real, then paid yes-men must feel pretty good. Oh my god, wait. There's a really long one from Armando N., a psychologist. I think I need to read this. Yeah, that, that one's my favorite, actually. The stories of this 14-year-old novelist are just overwhelming because of the simplicity, and they show from their psychological proportions in the life of the siblings, Maya and Joey, and in their fight between good versus evil, a far deeper substance, basically a story behind the story, and this is one of the reasons why I believe that the Maradonia saga will certainly have a longer lifeline in the future than the Twilight or the Harry Potter series. But there are other reasons. <laughs> 
Okay, that was all of that except for the but there are other reasons was one sentence. And that wasn't even written well. I don't think a psychologist would ever write that way because psychologists know how to write succinctly and they know how to write properly. You would so anyway, assume. But there are other reasons. Uh, so these are all bullet points. Maradonia is not just entertainment. Maradonia is a lifestyle because it meets our longing. <laughs> Holy shit, I don't think I read this far. Maradonia is a lifestyle because it meets our longings to experience the truth of life, love, and death. This Maradonia new lifestyle is able to help the reader better to understand life itself and his role in his own family, the nation, and in the universe. The encouragers are able to encourage every reader to discover their own gifts and abilities. The Maradonia books, I believe, will play, sooner or later, an important role for fans, middle readers, and young adults, and they are a must-read for parents, teachers, and librarians that will serve as a bridge to growth in knowledge, faith, and in the understanding that there is power in positive thinking. Holy fucking shit! Holy fucking shit! Yeah, I don't believe any of those. I don't think any of those. I don't of believe like, any of I'm those. sorry. The only ones that I think might be maybe real are the, um, the really short ones that are like, Saw your article in the paper. What an inspiration to everyone. Keep up the good work. Brandon M. Like, yeah, yeah. maybe he cursed, read that cursory, cur- did a cursory reading of that article and thought, hey, a young girl doing stuff, whatever. Or there's like one from supposedly a child. Uh, yeah. Let me see. Uh, I am 11 years old and I am already on chapter 26. Love your book. My teacher says it is really making a difference in my reading. Thank you for signing my book. Angela T. Student. Like, I don't think a teacher would say that but maybe a kid liked it once i don't know all right that's enough of this by the way there's there's like two dozen of these testimonials in the back that's enough of there's this. like 24 of them maybe more let's finish this up yeah we're close to two hours this has been the longest running terrible uh. book club yet i hope you enjoyed all the stuff we had to talk about this time i'm not quite sure what we're reading next we're gonna figure yeah. that out later so i'm gonna try and wrap this up pretty speedily you can yeah. contact us with more books or, like, book donations. In fact, maybe if you want to email us, you can, I can tell you where to send them. Terriblebookclub at gmail.com. Terriblebookclub.libsyn.com will take you to our page where everything's nice and organized, including our crossover episodes with other podcasts. Yeah, we, um, we have um, a we, crossover episode with uh, The Color of Air. Yeah, we good. have a Twitter now. Yeah, I don't really know how to use it, but I have it. I'll help you out. Terrible Boo Club with the K. No, Terrible Book Love. Yeah, okay. Terrible Book Love. We love terrible books. We love. It's Terrible Book and then L-U-B at the end. Yeah, so. yeah. Sorry, I ran out of characters. <laughs> yeah, you can, so. you can contact us there. Um, why don't you, you had a friend that you wanted to mention. Oh, yeah, actually. So I've been meaning to talk about my friend Gordon's podcast. Um, it's called Pood, P-O-O-D. P-O-O-D. Uh, they're also on Libsyn. I uh, believe that they have they have a Facebook presence as well. They're a bunch of dudes in Canada that get together and talk about random garbage. Sometimes it's heavy metal. Sometimes it's just random current events. It's kind of just like a general bullshit thing. Sort of like a oh, yeah dude, um, yeah. I guess. So uh, I think this is a rotating cast of like three or four people. But uh, my friend Gordon is a he he listens to Terrible Book Club. He's a pretty uh, loyal listener. So I figured I would plug Pood. Um, Same thing with The Color of Air by Greg Massey, who was on our last uh, sort of crossover episode that we released before this. He has the podcast, The Color of Air, where he talks with musicians, usually a little local to Boston, but sometimes outside of that, too. Just sort of about their creative process or the, you know, how the life of a musician. And he has some insight into that himself. So he usually has pretty good questions to ask people. So if you're interested in something a bit more 
highbrow than us, but not always highbrow. Yeah, I mean, and Pood is Pood is just hilarious. I mean, it's really funny if you like kind of gross humor and um, if you're into heavy metal or just making fun of current events, it's really good. Um, but yeah, I would I would check those two out. Yeah, so um, that's it for this one, I guess. I don't know what we're reading next time. Yeah, we're not I, sure yet. I've still been going through my Malazan book. I'm pretty close to the end by now. I'm oh, just, yeah, so that's your good book. You're still on Malazan. I'm still I'm swamped with so much other shit musically right now I know, that I have I to focus. Too. Like I wrapped up mixing and recording the electronic thing. We're going into the studio with the Doom Band next weekend. Yeah, And oh, in God. two months, my, my other band, Grave Warren, is going into like a proper studio for a week to record there. So I'm... All of my energy is going towards being prepared for those things. Yeah, that's true. And then we have we have like another show coming up with our. And then I also, band of course, have like, my guitar teaching shows. job. Yeah, you I'm have shows to... with Grayborn. We have shows with Concilium. You have teaching. I have regular work. Yeah, so we're kind of struggling right now. Not so... really struggling, but good books are on yeah, the back burner yeah, while exactly. we provide more entertainment for you guys. So yeah, God help us. Um, I've been. I mean, I've still just been reading like a chapter here and there of that last black metal sort of encyclopedic book. I'm almost done with it. Um, that's really the only other thing I have going on for a good book. Yeah, well, we, we got a lot of work cut out for us in the future. We will yep. find our next terrible book. Maybe someone will send it to us or Maybe. suggest it to us or donate to, it, to us somehow. We, we, we love taking suggestions. Um, actually, how did, we, how did we end up reading this? I stumbled upon it. Yeah, I don't via know. Via one of our favorite subreddits, Crappy Music. Oh, yeah. It was one of her Goldilocks videos, and someone mentioned the author of the Maradonia saga. And we were like, wait, what? This I investigated author? it, yep. which led us to this. Yep. Okay. Now, all right. That makes sense. Yeah. So thanks, Reddit, for that. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. if you have, yeah, like I said, if you have any books to give us or suggest to us, we're more than happy to take on the garbage that you don't want in your house anymore. <laughs> yep. But other than that, um, thus concludes our hour and 50 minute here. Oh, Jesus thing Christ. Here. So we're, we're about to hit. Almost two hours. Yeah. So we'll see you next time, hopefully with something just as terrible, or maybe hopefully with something less terrible. I don't even know anymore, Paris. <laughs> well, thanks.